you have in your hand, boy? Pass it over. A telegram. Oh dear. Seems someone has been biting me. Fetch me my trousers at once. No, not those. Those are my time travel trousers. Those are my tea trousers. That's it. Those ones. My fighting trousers. I can't even stuff doing an intro anymore. Uh, boys, I'm back. Uh, welcome back to the Bacon Burgers. Welcome uh, back! Yeah, uh, just blow the levels out. Um, yeah, thanks for having me back. Uh, I know that, you know, uh, it's been a while. Uh, I've been on the... Uh, I've been in the hobby desert. Just... Uh, yeah, on, the, on the hobby wagon. On the hobby wagon. Oh, no, uh, yeah. you, you would have fallen off, wouldn't you? Fall off the wagon. No. You, the horse drawn you, the you're wagon? back on the wagon. I don't know. It's very strange. Um, yeah, I took some time out. Uh, I think after Lee Avery's event, I kind of summed it up. I uh, not summed it up. I tallied it up and I thought, you know, I've done uh, X amount of events. I've done X and painted X amount of armies. Uh, if I'm honest, um, the army that I painted for that event off a lot to get that done. And uh, yeah, by the time I got it finished, I was like, you know, I'm just fucking sick of painting. I'm sick of being in my hobby room and I'm sick of bolt action. So I need some time off. And uh, had that, and um, then Lockie's event came up, and I'm like, six months? Yeah, I think I'm ready to dip a toe, so uh, here I am. Uh, it's good to back, have you back, mate. We've had a had a, had a big weekend um, of gaming last Sunday at, down at Good Games, um, Operation Order Mist, um, which was the second bolt action event I've actually run, um, which was really exciting. Rousing success. Yeah. Well, we'll, talk, we'll talk about a little bit more about that later. Who else have we got tonight? So we've got Tristan, we've got Lockie. And Rubes, as usual, in the house. Uh, in the controller's seat, uh, JD, as usual, twiddling Rock, the knobs. Rocking the squeakiest chair known to me. Oh, yeah. Along with the cheese. Yeah, the sneaky cheese. Squeaky cheese. <laughs> so, boys, what's been going on since I left? Like, it's, it's, has anything happened? Have we got any, like, what, what, what's, what's, what's the haps? Mate, there hasn't been too much happening in Bold Action Land. There's been a couple of events, uh, one that Roos ran. Um, I think Brad ran Suns Out, Guns Out as well last year um, in, in, the th- uh, th- in the second half of the year. Um, so we've just been cruising, I think. Um, been good. I like, I like what I've been seeing. I don't think I can make it to your event. I think I was... I think uh, you had a family do-on or something, I think, from memory. Undoubtedly. Well, it was early December, wasn't it? Yeah, early yeah, December. It was a Christmas thing. Yep. December is generally, I mean, for everybody... December is wretched. Yeah, yep. But um, yeah, no, it's been good. It's been good. It's a, quite a bit's happened with me. Uh, I just work and flex, but uh, yeah, I actually managed to uh, jump on a plane and make it to England for a week, which was a lot of fun. You did walk in wearing that funny little hat. That, um, hey, don't be knocking the cheese cutter, my friend. Say, uh, saying that you've uh, been to every brewery in England? Every, every England. <laughs> no, not quite. Not quite. But, uh, close. Came close. There was one in, in Scunthorpe that you missed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, West on Supermare. I wasn't able to get there. But uh, no, it was nice. It was good. Um, it wasn't the reason I was there. It was not great. I had to go for my pop's funeral. Um, but uh, yeah, look, it was, uh, it was good. You know, the, uh, what did they say about England? The, the people were lovely. The food was average and the weather was okay. Um, How long were you like, there for? Just a week. Uh, oh, was that in, all? Yeah, yeah, no, literally it was like seven or eight days. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I flew in. Robin and I flew. The last time Robin and I flew somewhere, we went to Sydney, and that ended really badly. Was that um, for Moab? 
No, that was for a, a company of dice event. That was the D-Day themed event, and we flew into like the storm of the century. Yeah, um, right. That was the one. That was the event where on the way between Brian's house and um, yeah, between Brian's house and the venue, we were we were driving down a hill, and there was actually a car on its roof, mm. and the owner was just stood there looking at it, and I'm like. That sort of sums up the entire weekend. It's just coming around a corner, there's a car on its roof and the guy's looking at it, you know, with this... That, that like, wasn't the one where the actor that played Rene in Hello, Hello got like an oak, <laughs> oak tree through the head. Or something, <laughs> I'll pay that. I'll pay that. That was when... It, that was like late 90s? Or yeah, something, something like that. Yeah, it might have been that same one then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was... Uh, but that was... Yeah, Robin and I went out for that event and that was uh, that was the one where on the way home our flight got cancelled and we ended up in a hotel and I nearly got stabbed by a guy with a heap of t- uh, tattoos who was he was having sex but, with his missus in but, the room across from us. So that really didn't loud. happen. That didn't happen on your on this trip though. No, this was, was a good trip. M- this was a really omens? good trip. No, this was no, there was no people with tattoos trying to stab me on this one, which was good. That's nice. But um yeah, a lot of good museums, a lot of really, really good beer. You did go to a cool, pretty cool museum while you were over there, didn't I you? I went to two really cool museums. Uh, yeah. So I actually made it over to Bovington. Um, so the funny thing was I walked into Bovington, uh, I think the second day that I was there. Like I was like, I literally had a day bombing around with like my family and stuff the second day I went to Bovington. So I drove up, it's about 30 minutes from uh, my grandmother's place. Uh, rolled in, paid my entry and then walked in. And what you're meant to do is you're meant to walk in and then kind of hang um, a left and that takes you into like the early tanks. And then you walk through and then go through this big hall and all the rest of it. I took a right because I saw an M26 Pershing straight away looking at me. I'm like, hey, that looks like fun. And walked over to that. You rebel. No, yeah. Breaking all the rules. Breaking every single (laughs) rule. Uh, And then sitting right next to the Pershing, well, across from the Pershing was uh, an M10 Wolverine that was actually uh, painted up for the Ardennes, uh, which just had like all the snow camo and shit. It was just incredible. But... Uh, the funny thing was I was sitting there looking at this Wolverine and this guy in this weird jacket walked past and said, oh, you want that, don't you? And I said, mate, you have no idea. Um, and then he introduced himself and it was the curator of Bovington and we had a, a good old chat. I, I saw him, th- there's a documentary on, um, documentary series on Netflix at the moment yep. about the history of tanks and he, he's on that <laughs> yeah, quite a bit. Yeah, he's a really nice Pretty, guy. Uh, tweedy sort of uh, elderly well, yeah, that's chap. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, yeah, we, we had a good old chat, and then he sort of told me, "You're actually in the wrong spot. You need to go back out and go back around." And yeah, I just walked around, and it was, um, it was a little bit. I don't know. It was, it was the last time I was there. I wasn't really as um, engaged with you know sort of World War Two armor as I am now. So this time I kind of walked around. I was just like, I was, I was, I was walking around like a dickhead. It was great. Um, Standard. Standard, yeah. yeah no, that's, of, that's awesome. What was, it, what was the biggest tank that was there? Oh, Tortoise. Tortoise, The yeah. A39 Tortoise. That thing is enormous. Um, and I, I mean, they in the German uh, in the German armour section, they've got, uh, was it Tiger, Elephant, King Tiger, uh, Yag Tiger, and another King Tiger that they're about to start doing up. So And then they've also got like a 3D thing that you put on and they can show you a Sturm Tiger. Um, but... That's so cool. I'd love to go to one of them. It's amazing. It's it really is because you stand in front of this tiger like it's an actual tiger, and it's the tiger they used in Fury. And you're looking at this thing, and you think this is just well, the tiger they used the in Fury. The tiger they used in Fury. Tiger one three one. Bang! It's, yep. it's in yeah, running right. condition. Now. It is. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's not, not, not a dressed up T thirty four, obviously. No, <laughs> not, not a Hollywood tiger. Um, um, so the, yeah. the really cool thing was that while I was there, um, I was looking at this elephant. There was this guy photographing it, and you know we sort of got into a conversation. And um, yeah, the elephant. I think as of right now, it's on its way back to the states. 
So, you know, unless you go to the States, you're not going to see the elephant anymore. So that was cool that I got to see that before it, it disappeared. That's awesome. And yeah, Rubes, Rubes, you went to a museum recently as well, yeah? Yeah, so I actually uh, went a little closer to home. I took a uh, trip weak, up... The, weak source. <laughs> took a trip up the road, uh, up the mighty Hume to uh, Puckapunyal um, at our very own School of Armour um, at the Army base up there. Clear something up for me. Mm-hmm. What are, the, what are the rules in regards to getting into this place? Uh, photo ID, um, essentially, to get in there. Cavity check? Uh, not quite. No. I tried, but, you, you know. Did, you asked them. <laughs> I did ask nicely. Do you want to have a look at this? I, no? I oh. did ask very nicely, but uh, the uh, the 60-year-old uh, security guards declined my offer. Um, so, yeah, Puckapunyal uh, School of Armour. It's been that way for centuries. Um, yeah, got a, actually quite a quite a good museum up there. Um, a lot I hear of, this. A lot of Australian armour. Um, a lot of the uh, tanks on display have come from uh, previous uh, service with Australia. Lockie would love it. There's a section all on Matildas that is just amazing. He's yeah. like reaching for the microphone. Yeah. Like, like, hey. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Rubes and I are sharing um, a mic, so just uh, to let the me. listeners know. Um, oh, yeah, no, look, when you put up those, uh, those photos on the Matildas and the Matilda frog, I was just frothing. I'm like, yeah, boy. <laughs> Yeah, they even had the uh, a bulldozer uh, version of the Matilda, a frog, a stock standard, and the flamethrower tank. Uh, that's the, a frog. The, the frog um, Murray. Sorry, the hedge, is it hedgehog, the one that's got the launches at the back. I don't know. I don't um, know. How I think it's that the one. pretty sure it's the hedgehog that's got the the mortar mounted on the rear of the Matilda. Um, it's just I amazing. Need in, I need that in my bolt action game. Oh, yeah. It's just reversing up and showing your ass. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's forward firing, but from the rear of the tank, so it oh, shoots okay. over the turret. That's incredible. So it's like four Matildas just sitting there, and then you've you've, you've got a, a stack of Sherman, some Grants, some Lees, uh, a couple of Staghounds. I was amazed how big those things yeah, are. Yeah, somebody was saying they're, they're almost huge. the size of a Sherman. Yeah, I mean, I walked big. up to one and went, wow, this is what, what's this? And I looked at the sign and went, surely not, you know. Mm. Um, I've got, got a photo of uh, myself standing next to a Lee. This is at the strangest museum I've ever been to, which is in Echuca, and it is a combination of vineyard, cheese shop, and tank museum. It says ticks all three of your boxes. Yeah. 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 So I, I sat and you know, ate cheese and drank wine in a tank museum. That we will speak great. because I go to Echuca every now and then, so I will be finding out where that is because I want to visit that. We've talk, been talking as well about doing a little bit of a road trip episode, haven't we? Up to Pakapanyal. That'd be, that'd be yeah, cool. Yeah, I reckon that's a, there's a road trip in that for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. I'm down with that. All right, boys. Hobby. Well, no, no, no. Oh, more well, museums. More okay. museums. Because so, uh, I've got another museum. Oh, wait, no, yeah, hang no, on. No, I'm going to the land of museums. Yeah. Jay, Jay, where'd you go? Uh, I went to New Orleans. True. Uh, so I went to... Say it right. New Orleans. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> So Norlings. the museum there was, was formerly the D-Day Museum and it's now expanded uh, so that it's, I, I guess, the whole of American World War II involvement. And this, this place is huge. It's like three, four city blocks. Um, That's insane. No armour, unfortunately, but they do have a whole wing of that museum which is sponsored by Boeing. So they have, uh, they have a B-17 hanging from the ceiling. That's amazing. Um, you can get up on these catwalks and gantry ways and walk around and look in the windows. Um, pretty awesome small arms collection. Um, a lot of interesting uniform bits and pieces. So I got to take a lot of uh, pictures of the different... I thought you were going to say you got to take a lot yeah, of pieces home. Yeah, I was going to say, oh, yeah, I took, <laughs> took a lot of uh, pieces home. <laughs> you know, a little SS splinter cam in the, uh, in the, yeah, in the old, yeah, in the old yeah. closet. Well, I, I was talking to uh, a mate of mine who's a antiques appraiser. Uh, he saw all these photographs that I'd reference photographs that I'd taken, and uh, 
he was sort of pointing out, oh, that's um, uh, P. Dot Panzer Wrap is like worth a phenomenal amount of money. There's not many of those left at all. And we, we were talking uh, recently about that, that the, the quality of the manufacture by that stage was so bad and nobody wanted to be seen, literally seen dead in it, that you know, it could mean the difference between just getting shot out of hand. So, so many of them were just discarded and, and ditched. Um, but if you could swap it out for a field grey uniform and rip the insignia off, you might pass master to be able to surrender without getting your ass handed to you. Is that because of the uh, the uh, the reputation around the SS troops? Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so they're, they're, a, they're a rarity on the collector's market. And uh, so th this guy works for an auction house in, in the States uh, valuing that stuff. But it's, it's an interesting museum. I, I wasn't that taken with the commentary um, on everything because it was kind of myopic. Um, Pro-Trump. No, I wouldn't. Wouldn't That's a Holly, Hollywood sort of grandized Hollywood. Well, it, it 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 you could you would be forgiven for thinking that uh, yeah, as as per the movies that America <laughs> sailed in and saved. Well, saved they did, didn't they? I mean, that's that's the way it works. They they, they yeah, nothing no. happened in Russia. Uh, speaking <laughs> <laughs> nothing to see here. Yeah, speaking of nothing um, happened in Russia. Speaking of sailing, though, given it was a D-Day museum, did they have any Higgins boats there? They did. I've always wanted to see Higgins boat because they started off down in the um, down in the swamps and yeah, that's and that right. same with the um, LVTs, which I'm surprised you said the, there was no armor there. I would have thought that in the bayou, the, yeah, the, the LVTs would have been yeah. on display yeah, there. They, they, but they, um, they had one there because the company that built them was was based out there. Yeah, I knew that. Mm. Yeah, well, actually, they've got an LVTA, I think it is, in uh, Pakapanil, which that thing is surprisingly huge standing next to it. I. Uh, I think the bacon burgers need to do a fishing trip in we an LBT. Oh, amen to that. <laughs> fishing with dynamite. Exactly right. How good would that be? Stalin and Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you'll have to watch out for that one, listener. That's for so sure. The only, just quickly, the only, the other museum that I went to, I, we, Robin and I actually found it by mistake. So where we were staying was down off the south coast in a place called Portland, which is in Dorset. And um, Portland um, was actually, well, Portland and Weymouth were, there's a naval base down there. It used to be. It's closed now. But that was the jump-off point for all the guys who hit Omaha Beach. Um, so there is a D-Day theme museum. And if anybody is in the UK or is going to the UK and is going to be down the south, I strongly recommend that you head down to Portland and go and check this place out um, because all of their exhibits are interactive. Uh, they've got a Bofors gun. You can jump on it and start twizzling it around. They've got um, a quad flak, you know, the 50, you know, the 50 cal quad turret. Mm. They've got one of those you can get in. I didn't get in it because it said you've got to be really limber and... Limber is not a word that is generally associated with me. So you didn't, didn't try it? No. <laughs> no, sir. Uh, so you just stumbled on this place, though. I did. Yeah. Uh, there's got an M16 MGMC in there. Uh, you can actually jump in the, in the front seat. So that's the meat chopper. Yeah. That's the half track with the quad turret in the back. Uh, they've got a 50 cal. They've got a Jeep with a 30 cal. They've got um, American weapons. So it's all D-Day themed stuff. But I was kind of walking through this place like a kid in a candy shop. I had a really good talk to the guy who runs the place. Um, the thing that got me the most, though, was they had um, all these stories up on the wall and they were all stories from uh, locals, like English locals who had had a big impact on D-Day. And one of them was a guy called Bill Mail, who was, um, he was part of the D-Day, uh, you know, a lot of guys were, but yeah, um, Bill, Bill had his part to play. Uh, Bill was actually born in the house that I was raised in. 
to get your head around that. The, so, the house. The house. Not even joking, 17 Wakeham Street in Portland. Yeah, right. Uh, so the house that I was raised in for the first three or four years of my life, he was born in that in, I think, 1912, 1913. Wow. It was, it was a really... That's coincident. Like, sp- spooky, right? Uh, well, yes, <laughs> yes and no. I mean, you've got to remember that, like, houses in the UK... They're old as fuck. Yeah. Like they are. Like I mean, it's like a, a house over here in Australia. If it's if it's older than 60, 70 years, it's heritage listed. You can't do anything. Like it's a really big deal. Like I think I've said this before. My grandmother's house. She had the bay windows in the front ripped out quite a few years ago now and replaced, and written on the inside of the uh, window frame. Uh, sorry, on the uh, in the inside of the timber work where the window actually sits, was uh, a little message that said, um, "Original window replaced due to bomb damage in '42." Up yours, Mr. Hitler. So there's a lot of history. Uh, I still remember when I was a little boy that they shut down the island uh, for an entire afternoon because they found an unexploded bomb in the football mm. pitch, you know, courtesy of the Luftwaffe, and they had to get the army in to come and dig it up and get rid of it. So that's the south of England is very like that. It's not a, it's not a, a really big deal to have that. But, um, yeah, sitting there reading this thing about this guy, Bill Mayle, um, who they, everyone used to call the boy. Uh, my grandmother knew him. And, um, yeah, I... I got really emotional that I was just like, holy crap, here's this guy who, you know, was born in the house that I was essentially raised in and here I am, you know, nearly 100 years later and I'm sitting here reading about, you know, this. It's Super but, creepy, man. Uh, it was really, really cool. But it's cool. Um, but yeah, they had like a Thompson, a Garand and a carbine that you could you could sort of play with and they had like a recreation of a German bunker with an MP40 you could play with and um, yeah, they had all kinds of crazy Did crap. Did you get to storm the bunker with the Thompson or...? I yeah. wish. That would be really cool. <laughs> uh, the really nice thing was the bloke who runs it, um, they actually once a year, him and his mates, they're all uh, reenactors, they go to um, a pottery, which is where all the um, airborne forces took off from uh, on you know uh, the night before D-Day. They jump in C-47s and then do the flight across the channel and then jump on jump on Carantan. Once a year, they do this on June 6th. And I'm like, get fucked. But they've got a Sherman out the front. You can actually jump inside that. And uh, the guy said to me, he's like, how much longer are you going to be here for? And I'm like, oh, look, I'm out of here in like two or three days. He's like, oh, that's a shame because we've got a Greyhound arriving next week. I nearly punched him. So it's one of my favorite vehicles. Well, they didn't have any other Greyhounds. No, they, would, they had one coming down. But they had like yeah, a, right. um, they had the two and a half ton truck. They had mm. an ambulance. They had all this shit you can jump in and climb in and you can get in the Sherman and have a look around. Uh, I wasn't able to do that because it was wet and he didn't want me getting up on the Sherman. I, I pleaded, but he wouldn't budge. But yeah, the um, I started talking about the Greyhound, about you know the specs and stuff, and he's gone, oh, clearly you know quite a bit more about this than I do. So, but yeah, it's coming, and so the next time I'm down, I'm going to plan a Greyhound. Fuck yeah! Well, if you're in England, um, or you're planning to do a trip, fucking Portland, go 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 to Portland, yeah, check it Portland out, man. Let us, let us know. Send oh my us god, some photos. yeah, for the money, I think it's like six quid to get in. Uh, Fuck, absolutely so bargain, cheap. bargain. It was amazing. It was a, it's a, it's a smaller, it's a smallish type museum. You'll get through it, and you know, I mean, I, I think I spent about an hour there. Yeah, right. I could have spent a lot longer there, but, For you know, sure. things to do. But Particularly yeah. with the interactive stuff. Oh, like being able to pick stuff up. Like I'd never, pick, no, I'd never picked up and held a Thompson. And the guy actually bought, he had a Thompson at home that he uses for reenacting. He bought it in for me to have a play with. Um, I did not realize how long they were. Um, the stock is actually quite long. It sort of pushes the magazine forward a lot. Um, given how you see all the guys in Hollywood hold them, it's just like this is not how what, I would one hold in each hand, you know. <laughs> yeah, that sort of crap. But it was, um, you know, it's it's yeah, just amazing, absolutely amazing. But yeah, a lot of fun. Fuck yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, all right, boys, we might get into some hobby. What have we all been doing? Uh, 
Tristan's out, obviously. JL. Oh, uh, uh, well, okay. Bunch of stuff. Um, so plowing ahead with uh, some commission work that I'm, I'm doing and the timing for this for, for my client just couldn't be better with the release of Fortress Budapest. Um, this is a uh, armored recon unit. So five-man squads all, all packing MP44s uh, in the little little half tracks, the two. F- I, I always get confused. Which one's the two fifty? The two fifty is the small six man yeah. or five man um, yeah. half so track. So it's like uh, five five of those. There's a Panzer four. Um, there's a Lush in there. Um, there is the uh, two fifty with the uh, twenty mil cannon. That was the 250-22, I think, the, the Veerlung or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's one, one of those in there. Um, yeah, uh, it's turning turning out really nice. Um, Splinter Pattern is weird. This is the first sort of uh, attempt to do everyone in the Splinter Ponchos. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I reckon I've kind of got that figured out. Um, a lot of it requires the use of a pen. Oh, really? To get the, get the lines. Yeah underneath it um but yeah it's turned out really nice um i did get held up a little bit because i've i realized um recently i've been out of the country nearly half of the year so far uh traveling so it's it's a tough life isn't it oh it is well (laughs) someone's got to do it someone's got to do it no i'm really i'm really looking forward to seeing um the stuff on the table somebody needs to march at the head of mardi gras right oh yeah there you go no, I, we, I, man, in, in New Orleans, because I was there for a company conference, and the first night that we were there, they were like, okay, uh, surprise kind of event, social event thing, meet in the ho- hotel lobby. And we went down there, and there is like a marching band and dancing girls and shit, and we all just like walked through the streets throwing beads at people. And That's yeah, awesome. New Orleans <laughs> to a T. Yeah. Just got absolutely slaughtered, so there was a lot of... Very hungover people <laughs> listening to this Tony Robbins esque uh, motivational speaker in the morning, just going, I- "I'm motivated for coffee and Barocca right now." That's a oh wow, a idea. it's always fun as well when you when you kind of yeah wandering or stumble into one of these things when you're like traveling. I remember, um, I think I just stumbled onto the Pride March in um, in in Montreal a few years ago. And yeah. I was like, that was awesome, you know, like yeah, lots yeah. of you know parading well, the, the and stuff. The cool thing with with, with cool. this is that. Yeah, Mardi Gras in, in New Orleans is a bit of a circus, the, the tourist one, the main one. But then there's the sort of locals version that happens beforehand. We got to see a lot of that. So, you know, we were staying right in the French Quarter. And uh, so every night after after the um, conference sessions would finish, we'd all just go out on the town mm. uh, watching the jazz bands and whatever. Really cool. Awesome. Anyway, um, in other <laughs> hobby stuff, uh, trying to make a bit of a push to finish some saga stuff uh get my normans done oh yeah um because as we're not running um bolt action at conquest this year i'll be be playing in the uh the saga event yeah it'll be a bit like that other that first tournament you did where i'll have to run off and play a gig afterwards so we'll oh, see sure. how that goes hopefully but the time it's not too Sa- bad saga's a nice quick game it shouldn't i've been looking at it um hard. it's a, another system i know it doesn't take much investment to get into but yeah I reckon I'll get into it at some point. <laughs> um, and uh, my my copy of uh, the second edition of Fields of Glory Napoleonics arrived in the mail mm. recently. So I've started painting 15 millimeter shit, and my god, I'm going blind. Oh, you really? That, that is just a <laughs> whole. Like, how, how, how many models are in one of those armies? Hundreds? 
Yeah, about 400. Yeah, wow. <laughs> um, it's, it's a big army, but it's like a core. Yeah. Um, so it's like three or four divisions. Um, yeah, but just figuring out an efficient way to paint that without just doing my head in. Um, it's a whole nother ball game. Yeah, I've, I've d- dabbled in some six millimeter samurai stuff and it's the same thing. It's like trying to get the technique. I'm used to 28 mil and then trying to get detail or at least color onto a six mil figure. And same thing, I mean, fields and fields of hundreds of guys. Um, it's just a whole new ball game. I'm sure you'd have to really figure out how to be efficient with uh, with your time to yeah, get it done. Well, I think the, the, the way to go is that it, it's based around um, a little bit like uh, uh, Flames of War. It's based around blocks of, of eight guys. So if you work out that there's eight blocks of eight to a division, you can probably paint a division in a day mm. um, and just chuck, chop it down into manageable chunks like that, I think, is the way to go. Let's, let's just smash it out. Man, I saw, um, like, I, as I went up to CanCon, played Age of Sigma up there, and I was just, um, I'm always in awe of the, the massive Napoleonic um, kind of, you know, like the real old school games, the Napoleonics. The, is it Hail Caesar, I think, is the, the Roman version? And just having, like, these massive boards and massive armies, you know, like, probably, you know, four or five dudes aside playing. I was like, man, I want to be like that when I'm 70, you know? <laughs> like, full on neck beard, love it. Yeah, I just don't know if my eyesight will be up to it by the time I'm 70. I'll we'll get 40 and I'm like mole man. Sneaky cheese, you and I will be dead by then. Easy. <laughs> well, I'll be there. I'll be carrying the legacy, boys. <laughs> no, um, that's awesome. Um, well, I've um, actually recently, as in yesterday, I finished my French army. And yeah, oh, my Lord. very good too, from Thanks. what I've seen. Thanks, man. Yeah, look, I'm really happy with it. I won't speak to, too much about it because I've, I've spoken on numerous casts um, about, you know, you know, it's like a, a Vichy French Foreign Legion um, army um, based in yeah, like Syria and Damascus. Uh, sorry, yeah, Syri- Syria and Lebanon. Um, but it's really cool. Like I've been playing around with um, all the yellows, you know, the deserts, but um, yeah, the desert colors, but also like a bunch of the blues, like the really bright kind of teal blues for the, for the native irregulars and for the Spahi uh, cavalry. Also just trying some different, um, I guess, techniques on, on the, on the vehicles, which I've never done with the, with the sponging techniques. I found that really awesome to use. I've never done it before. So, um, so I guess this army, like, you know, it, now that's finally finished, it's probably been about a year in the making, I reckon. But like, it's probably one of the armies I'm most proud of, just because of the the experimentation I've done, like, and the just trying new things. Um, so if if you're someone who's out there who kind of is is sick of all the baby uh, baby poo color like Soviet armies or like the uh, German field grey armies, I, I strongly recommend you looking into the desert theater or you know something that kind of really pushes uh, your limits because it's you know it's it's nice. That, that's a really common thing I think you can you can get in your painting is a, a plateau phase when you're you're comfortable with what you're doing and you can knock it out quickly, but you don't you're not really in the mindset of challenging yourself mm. too much. And, you know, it's it's a really common thing, an easy thing that, that can happen to you. Mm. Um, and I think when you're in the mindset of painting armies where everything should be internally consistent, unless you really think that through from the beginning, you know, you, you might do it on one or two little bits and then it sticks out like dog's balls and you're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Um, so that maybe there's something to say about doing one-off pieces to test out 
new techniques like that to, to get out of that sort of slump or plateau phase when you just feel like you're treading over the and same Even ground. just to push yourself and try a new technique or learn something new about the hobby. I mean, that's always the way I've done it, is tried something new or a new army that is different from what I've sort of gone to in the past. For sure. And I mean, it's always good to be developing your skills, I guess. Um, just don't uh, destroy a $50 model like I did with the Panther that I stuffed up <laughs> a few months ago. Um, but no, look, I, I, I'm super happy with the French. Um, I'm what, looking, what looking to, to get the them. Oh, that's still sitting there. I haven't, I mean, I don't have a German army, but um, I might, might try and fix it up one day. Um, but yeah, look, with the French, I'm just really super keen to get it on the table. I did play it at Suns Out, Guns Out, um, Brad's event last year, but it was, you know, only ba uh, kind of uh, base coloured, base painted. Um, so now I'm really looking forward to getting on an event um, on the table soon. Rubes, what have you been up to, mate? Um, hobby? I had a bit of a hobby slump myself sort of across February. Um, work was incredibly busy. I worked a stupid amount of days, something like 24 out of 26 days in the lead up to uh, Autumn Mist, but um, was dabbling around with upgrading some of my DAC, um, adding another squad to that. I've actually got a um, Chain of Command game coming up with some mates at the end of the month which is uh, desert themed, so that's pushed me a bit there. But I have also moved on to yet another early war army. Oh, boy. Um, I've started chipping away at some Belgians. Uh, so I've got a command team all done. Uh, my first squad is pretty much done, and I'm waiting on another shipment of a whole heap more. Uh, the downside for the Belgians is, gonna, I think, going to be like your Aussies. Pretty hard to field a force over 1,000 points. Uh, not a lot of choices in the armor section, uh, not a lot of high price stuff, um, other, other than uh, cost-wise. Um, I think Warlord kind of missed the mark with the Belgians. The, uh, the T-13 B3 tank destroyer was their most prolific armored vehicle, but um, it's the one vehicle Warlord doesn't make. Oh, is there uh, any alternative manufacturers? Yeah, so I've been looking on Shapeways and I've found one, uh, one supplier that, that makes it. Uh, it will cost me about 60 bucks um, to get shipped uh, cost and shipping um thankfully uh my uh, missus doesn't listen to the podcast so she won't know that i'm you're just, you're just gonna ship ship to your parents place well, right? that's <laughs> the plan anyway um but i'm gonna uh, probably order one of those tomorrow to round out the armor selection for the belgians so i'm looking forward to um yet another underpowered early war army to put on the table but um that's my my thing and i'm, I'm sticking to it for now no i love those early war armies like kudos to you mate yeah and uh thanks to the lovely tristan i've got some more french to add to my french force as well um so they'll be uh hopefully getting some paint in the next uh few months do, do they give you any options I, I i'm not really familiar with the the early war campaign books but about combining french and belgian the forces in one the list. battle of battle of france i think has a few selectors which i think we're going to talk about selectors later on um that do include include some multinational forces i think from memory um and there's also some additional rules in the book about fielding multinational forces um which i may look at adding some french and, and bef which i've got both uh, armies for ready just to, to round it out depending on the the event and whether or not a selector like that's allowed but it may be what i have to do to push anything over sort of the thousand point mark with them to and still have a decent you know viable um table legal force 
Yeah, so I have been thinking about that kind of thing recently. And was yeah, both of my armies, so the the Australians and the French, really want to sit around a thousand points, and any more than that, as you yeah. said, just like they don't have the armor options to to go higher than that. Um, so it's probably just worth having you know that thousand point kind of army. Considering most events, we kind of run a thousand or a little yeah. bit less, yep. and then because you've got a couple of armies that can go to twelve hundred, twelve fifty. Yeah, you know, my French. I mean, I've got a, a charbis in there and a few other things that really flesh it out for points. Um, I'm very, I'm, I'm somewhat opposed for the most part to running early war veteran lists because a lot of the armies, like the Belgians in particular, were very hastily mustered and a lot of their forces were reservists. So I'm very hesitant to, to pad out the points by uh, running veteran early war units. Um, yeah, well, I don't know. So, I mean, like, that that's the case in some armies, but I, I know the French Foreign Legion, like, you know, they're all veterans, well, so, like, and I, I they're, did, they're out in the Colonials, yeah. but they also came back to fight they did in bring France. Two, so is that the uh, same in Two Belgium? regiments, no. Well, the French brought two um, regiments of uh, Foreign Legion back, the 10th and 11th. I actually ran a 10th Foreign Legion army at your first event. Yeah. Um, so that was very much a veteran French force. But the Belgians had their... Um, their African force, but I think they largely stayed in East Africa uh, and joined the Free Belgian forces after the fall of Belgium. But they had their their solid core of troops, uh, like places like Ebene Mail and a lot of the other forts, which were considered regular, maybe veteran in time of service, but not so much seeing action. But uh, a yeah, large amount was just uh, conscripted or um, reservists that were hurriedly sort of pressed or activated in the uh, with the looming war. So do you reckon you'll have a bunch of inexperienced troops or just pretty much mostly regular? Well, that's one of the uh, the special rules um, is if you take three inexperienced squads, you get a fourth free. Mm. I'm tipping towards going uh, to a maybe a fort defence type squad or a defensive line squad that they, they send a lot of troops out to defend bridges. Um, and I'm probably going to go mainly regulars backed by a tank destroyer and then AT guns. Um, they also get a, like the French, they get a free artillery unit. So I'm looking at a howitzer and an AT gun or maybe even two AT guns sort of to go with the theme of a defensive position type force. It's a nice little rule, isn't that? That Just getting that free artillery oh, yeah. uh, piece. Yep. Yeah, nice little uh, extra <laughs> bit of uh, kit there to, uh, to... And you don't have to take, um, you know, a second platoon to get that second artillery no. piece, which is nice. And then pop a, uh, a, a lieutenant uh, right in the middle of them and start uh, cracking orders and <laughs> oh boy, make it rain. That's all right. All right, boys. Um, look, we have got a big segment coming up, um, so we might take a quick break and then we'll come back and uh, get stuck into Operation Autumn Mist. Triple two. Love a triple two. Now we're back, um, and we're talking op- Operation Can't Autumn Mist. You did that. What? <laughs> I was like, I dare you to say triple two when we come back, and I, was, I wasn't expecting that triple two. It's not. It's not even a big dare. It's like. It's like whatever. Like, yeah, you can say whatever you want. Like you dare me to jump out the window. I probably won't do that. But no, I definitely yeah. won't dare you to do that. But uh, I mean, you're right. We can't say. I mean, I work with a guy called Chris Vorback, so I'm going to get Chris Vorback a short at. Yeah, good. Hey Vorbs, shout out. I'll make him listen to this now. Nice. <laughs> he uh, does not play any miniature war gaming at all. He's not going to get anything out of this. He's totally not going to listen to this either. Yeah. I say um, about thirty minutes in, I say your name. I want you to listen to that bit. No, tell him he has to listen the whole, the whole 30 thing, minutes. Yeah. It's, yeah. About the hour and four, it's about the hour and 45 mark. So. Yeah, I really start getting deep on Chris Warback. Yeah, right. I'm sure he'll listen. Deal. Hi, Chris. No. Um, so, yeah, we're, look, we're, we're talking Operation Autumn Miss, guys. Um, yeah, as I said earlier, we, we ran a 1,000-point event, uh, Good Games Melbourne, last week. Uh, it was good fun. 
Yeah, it was um, it was good. So we had, I think, going into the day, we had twenty two players. Unfortunately, we had a, three dropouts. It was a very hot weekend, thirty six, thirty seven, thirty eight degrees. Smell weak sauce. All right, weak sauce. Yeah, because well, maybe I that's the case. Smelt something. It was more like maybe that was the case. I took I took deodorant to that event, and I actually maced a couple of people while I was in there. But, thank <laughs> God, thinking. it actually wasn't too bad in the, in, right. the, in the event. But remember when we sta- stepped out of of of, of the, um, th- the hall in At the, the end of it? you know, and we're just like, like oh holy God, shit, is so hot. Um, time for a beer. <laughs> 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 because because the, we, we, we went next door afterwards, had a um, good beer, which is nice. There was a bit of community shout building. Out to, shout out to Lee Avery who hooked me onto the uh, the triple sour because Ooh, that, was, yeah. that was not like anything I've ever tasted before in my entire life. That that's was like, did you have some of that? The yeah, yeah, I sour? tried a bit, yeah. Oh, it was good. Now, that's one of the uh, the bonuses of running at a Good Games Melbourne. Please yep. uh, go check them out, support them. Um, they support us, so we'd like to support them. Um, uh, look, so Operation Order Mist uh, was, you know, the first event of 2019 for Victorian Bolt Action League. And to be honest, I wanted to try something a little bit different. Um, so we've been running, you know, event, you know, these one-day events, three, three games um, per event, you know, for a little while now. And, like... I don't want to say they're coming stale, but at some point I think they will. Um, so we're just kind of always looking for ways to spice them up, up. Yeah, you got to mix it up. Um, yeah, and we do that through point values um, and, uh, you know, throwing in a few different missions. Um, yeah, trying to sort of lead people to taking different unit choices. Yeah, which doesn't always happen. Particularly, uh, like, I know that a lot of people who play, um, you know, are quite casual as well, and they might only have one army. So it can be hard to, to you know... Or like uh, me, they chop. have one army and an army that don't like playing. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so it's like, it can be hard for people to chop and change things. So that we, we like to make things a bit different. So for this tournament, well, this event, we're not using the word yeah, tournament. Yeah, come on, mate. What are you doing? I, I, I step out of here for six months. I come back. Oh, we're having a tournament. No, no, we'll, no. no we'll, 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 get on to that. we'll get on to that in a bit because that, that's on our That agenda. is. It's on, it's on our list now. So, look, it's just a gaming day. But, look, um, the, the way I wanted to do it was so we'd have 10 tables um, and each table would have its own special mission rules. Um, and oh, this hey, was – Sorry, boys. Yes. Stalingrad did not make, a, did not make an appearance at this event. It's it gone. didn't. No, no, no it didn't. We that. didn't need it. No, look, luckily we've got so much good terrain going around in the in in the community. Um, Tristan, I think you supplied three tables. Jail, you supplied a table. Rubes, you pl- supplied three. Mr. Morin supplied a couple of tables, and Andrew Baxter provided a couple of tables, which was awesome. You know, like at the moment, I think it's. Uh, you know, we're at a really good place. We've got lots of um, really cool terrain. That's one of my next projects. I've been saying it for a little while now, but I really want to build a, a, a board for myself. Um, and that just, you know, to, to add to some variety and diversity uh, into our game. So we don't have to rely on things like Stalingrad, which might look cool, but isn't uh, the best table to actually play on. Uh, you give it shit, but seriously, as long as you have a decent uh, conversation with your opponent before the start of that game, it's very playable. Just the pain in the ass is everyone looks at it and goes, oh, well, that's all rough terrain. Well, yeah, so that, you're going to be foot-slogging yeah, it over the That's a good board. point. And, th- and the other thing, too, is that there, there's a certain amount of rock, paper, scissors with, with any combination of tables and two armies put on it. It's often going to really suit one and just be a, a that's, that's any, slog that's any for, table, though. for, I mean, for the other one. There's, there's, there's no jack-of-all-trades in regards to uh, like an army that will but, suit every table you come up But to be fair, if you take a balanced list, you shouldn't have these problems. Don't take a well, skewed list. Here's the thing. I mean, I mean, you're getting on to taking a balanced list. I mean, what if you're like, say, our good friend Ruben here, 
Magoo decides to take like a six order dice uh, list to a what was it thousand? Was it thousand? Yeah, points? boy, thousand points. <laughs> thousand points of badge hey, on last year. That army won me the only <laughs> of game I have ever won in any bolt action yeah. event. Let me stop you right there. Who did you win that game against? I won that against the wonderful Hari Turner. Hari, so, so, so Hari was the only person who has lost to that list, which. Let's be honest, no, no, no. it's a bit Hang of a lame dog. It's, it's, it's not just that list. <laughs> this he, guy. He is the only one who has lost to me. I've played 15 event games in my year or so in sure, bold action sure. events. And I've just, yeah. Yeah, Op Wolf was my first actual event. I've been collecting well, for years, but you're, you're first like event. The new, uh, speaking of which, by the way, boys, I got a message from Amp. He says hello. And to uh, all the listeners, we may be seeing a return. Of the bearded Canadian at some stage, so uh, you know, just let's uh, let's lock in for that one. But yeah, I, yeah. Always, I, I think it's because you're so like Amp. I just I, I always think that you've been in the, the hobby forever. Just part well, of the I'm, furniture, I'm, man. I have yeah, word, I've been word. in the hobby forever, just not the event scene really sure. until past year. But and that was once again, Hari got me into pushed me into that, and um, here we are. So Hari has a lot to uh, <laughs> a lot to answer for. a lot to answer for, except that one victory for me. I've one win out of fifteen. Thank you very much, Hari. I love you, brother. I'm sure you get lots of wins with your new Belgians. Yes. <laughs> no, look, um, it's a good point, though, in terms of, like, having balanced enough uh, terrain, scenarios, that kind of thing. Um, I mean, you want to take a balanced army, but when you put some special rules like I did in my uh, I event... I what you did. Thanks, man. It was man. interesting. It, was, yeah. it, made it, um, it made it dynamic. Mm. Is you rolled up to a table and you had a nice little printout mm. and it was like, okay, for this particular game... Uh, you know, choose all your shit, get all your troops deployed. Oh, by the way, the other two, you know, opposing corners that, you know, you haven't deployed in, those are all now considered rough terrain. Yeah, so and that was, you go, for sure. Well, shit, or we'll know. <laughs> did you play on that table? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah nice. Was, yeah, um, so that was one yeah. of the snowboards uh, that, that I put down. So, I mean... Uh, I think I wrote about this in the blog if anyone's interested in reading or they've already read. Uh, but basically, um, I had some trouble um, getting uh, some balanced kind of snow terrain um, rules because, you know, like most of them are pretty punishing. So they're deep snow, you know, like rough Lim- ground everywhere. Limited visibility is Limited visibility is bad. Um, you know, one of the special rules is anarchy, which is, um, and frostbite, which. Frostbite. Uh, frostbite yeah, was good. That. That's cool. Well, I, I played, played the frostbite. One. Um, was it yeah. a frostbite mission? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, but it was kind of it, it was like I modified it. So in the book, if you um you, like, so every unit has to take a test at the start, like before the, the game starts. Test. Yeah, frostbite test. Sure. Um, and they lose a model for every point they they you know they they fail by. So which is can be really brutal, right? So I I thought that was hang on, hang on, I thought rewind, it was too rewind, brutal. Rewind, rewind. Yeah. Okay. So I've got a squad of I've got two squads of eight men, right? Sure. So start of the turn. I pull my first dice. Brilliant. I want to activate this unit here. So how does that work with Frostbite rules? No, no. So Frostbite's at this, at, before the game starts, you know, before even deployment, you roll an order check for every sure. every um, oh, every so unit. Every turn? No. Oh, so no, at the, for every unit. And so anyway, basically I made it so um, you, you still take the test, but um, it, you lose one model. Uh, it doesn't matter how many like points you failed so by. It, so it's like an which, RD strike. Kind of. I was running my, my Horde of Soviets on it. I failed one or two, but on Didn't 12 make a big man deal. squads, so what? Yeah. yeah. So it can make a big it, deal. It ma- on yeah. your small teams, then yeah. you've got a problem. because And we I had to ask you about that. Um, even before deployment, if they lose, lose one guy out of a <laughs> two-man team, are they doing a break check before they even come on? 
Uh, for, for green. No, no, for... Um, no, if he's got a sniper team and yeah. the spotter takes frostbite damage and goes down and you've just got it's a sniper team but he's not, he's not even on the board yet... Yeah, he's he taking, is he taking he's lost 50% of the team effectively then. Yeah, no one asked me that one, but I would have said no just to make it, make it you know, like, I think that's, I think fair that's enough. Fair. Like, they're not even on the board yet. Like. The interesting thing with Frostbite is there is actually a counter to it in a lot of the special rules for Mud and Snow. Yep. Um, it's I think it's one point per man to have winter attire. Gloves, yeah. Yeah, yeah which, um, which adds, an, this sort of event adds another dynamic. It's like, if I know that two out of the ten tables oh, are going to be Frostbite, no, we'll do I... No. Do I do something thematic and go with it, or do I not? Or it's, it's it's like it's like paying the one point per man for the fins and getting skis for everybody because you can then traverse over it. No, fuck that. Like, you, that those sort of rules are put in place for garage games. If I ring you up and say, yeah. "Hey, do you want to play this scenario?" and then yeah, you and I basically decide, okay, we're going to do that. Then yeah, I start paying my one point per man because we know what board we're going to be playing. Yeah, that's true. And it doesn't work for a tournament. Having said that, we are going to do some narrative campaigning yeah, once are. I and move into my new place. So that's shit that we can do. But, yeah, that sort of stuff is very, very tricky. For sure. And we'll, we'll get on to a little bit of that um, in more depth later on, I think, as we deal with the theatre selectors and the campaign books. Uh, we've touched on that in, in previous casts a little bit about how they really are slanted towards oh. uh, campaign garage yeah. play and, and what we need to do with that to take the best out of them without getting overpowered lists that will influence tournament or event play or, or even modif- like what I did so I modified a few of them so like Frostbite so it's not game breaking um, it, I'll, I'll probably put it on the bit of the soft side but I kind of almost prefer that so next time we try and do the same thing we can might maybe meet a um, middle ground but basically that was, the, that was what I was trying to do with with the 10 scenarios some uh, like admittedly some of the scenarios um, you know you know, like the special rule had more influence than the other ones um, you know like I, I know <laughs> Uh, one of the tables, Tris, I know you played on this one as well. I played it on the first one, but basically it was a French village um, and you had, there was booby traps. Yeah, so I played you, on that. Uh, did you? The last one. Hilarious. So you moved in? Yeah. But did, you, but did any of your dudes die? Okay, so I had my commissar. I, and the thing is, I didn't even really need the building. I, I, was that the one that you and I played on? Yeah. Sorry, yeah. sorry just to clarify for the listeners, it was when, uh, so if a unit goes into a building yep. um, or a ruin, there are only buildings on there though, um, they have to roll a dice and on a five plus, they take D3 casualties um, as they get you know killed by a booby trap. Very, very cool because it makes you, I mean, buildings in V2 were already shifty. You don't really want to go near a building too No, much. especially if as, there's HE on the, on the as, table. As, as Rube found out. Yes. <laughs> uh, we'll cover our game a bit more in a bit, but um, I didn't really need any of the buildings in on my... Uh, I had really good cover. I was able to move around relatively freely, and I feel my deployment was reasonably good, so it kind of answered a lot mm. of what you were putting to me. Um, I ran my commissar into the ground floor of a building just because it was funny, uh, and nothing happened. And then we then had the, you know, we then asked you, it's like, all right, well, if he wants to go up to the second floor, what happens then? You said, well, he takes another test. I'm like, well, up we go. Homeboy's going up. <laughs> yeah, the and commissar was, became a bit of a mind sleeper, didn't he? Well, he did. But the thing is, like, I, I got to the stage where I was like, it's funny, but yeah, okay, whatever. Like, I just, it, it, I think it's a good rule. Hey, the, the the point is, but and that was gonna, that was one of the tables units on it, for sure. And that was one of the um the, those little rules that um didn't make too much of a difference. That you can make a difference if you put a sniper or something in there, but you probably you, you're probably going to think twice about putting a sniper in a yeah, building. Okay, hear me out though. But I think Rubes and I decided that um I put my sniper on top of a building, 
So therefore, he wasn't in the building. Yeah, yeah. We decided that that wasn't going to really take effect. Wow. If you had asked me, I would have said, hey, he's had to go through that building to get up there. Yeah, but he might have been the one putting those booby traps in. Yep. Done uh, the old tripwire behind him as he goes yeah, up he goes the floors. Little, little, yeah. No, it was a French resistance. Anyway, so look, that, that, so that scenario, again, you guys can talk about your game in a little bit um, as when we do the rundown. But basically, um, yeah, that was one of the smaller, like the scenarios that had a li- little, uh, limited impact. I know a couple of the scenarios had um, limited visibility special rules in the first couple of turns, um, which I know definitely made a big impact uh, in a couple of games, particularly when there was Tiger Fear involved. Um, uh, but also it changes you know, how people move um, up the board at, at the end of the game. Um, unfortunately, there was a few... I did speak to a couple of people who just, you know, completely forgot about the special rules, um, which was disappointing. But I know that, you know, like, you know, there's a lot there's going a lot on going in a game. On. So yeah, it's like... It and the thing is, like, they're, they're almost optional to have them on the table anyway. Like, they're there to enhance your games. But if you don't want to use them, that's fine. Um, I, so I'm that's, telling you right now, man, I'm probably going to... I will incorporate some of these into any event that I run in the future because I think it makes things interesting. Yeah, for sure. And I think... So the, the one I was super keen to see how it went, particularly because this was more changing the scenario special rules than anything rather than like environmental effects, was the uh, the scenario I wrote for your board jail, which is um, basically, uh, we've spoken about in the cast before, but it's got a bridge um, and a river system uh, going down the middle. Um, bridge too far. And yeah, and basically what I said was, look, uh, that is the that that bridges the objective, and uh, at the end of the game, whoever's got the most models within three inches of that bridge uh, wins the game. And as a caveat, officers count as five models to that really, count. Really, really good caveat. Mm. That I like that a lot. And it may, I mean, like the, I I do like it as well. Because I guess it makes like the theory is it makes officers relevant. Like people it, yes, sometimes absolutely. don't use officers. But you it know. does. I, I hate my officers. I think they're. Uh, I know you. Yeah, you never a, use them. There are necessary ways to. But, um, yeah, it does. The only thing I would suggest to you about that particular mission is because you have got uh, an objective and you only have one objective, it's like the old, you know, when we used to play Tank Wars and you'd roll mm. for objectives, you'd have one objective and you'd look across at your opponent and just go, I'll see you in the middle then. Like, yeah, no. That would be it. I guess, and, um, I guess that's it's, the... It, it just turns into a bloodfest. I guess that was a point as well because, like, and and what I ended up seeing was I, I was watching this table pretty closely over those three games um, was... Uh, basically, I just wanted to see how people reacted to and adapted to different kind of uh, win conditions. Um, so some people will look at that and go, oh, cool. Um, so I, I need to be there um, at the end of the game, not the start. So I'm going to make a play for it uh, at the end. You know, turns four, five, six, I'm going to run out. Other people um, will sit there and go, cool, I'm going to head that head uh, to that objective, turn one and two, and just like... Uh, it's it's up to the opponent to get them off that objective. Um, I mean, there wasn't a lot of cover apart from the bridge itself. Um, I think that's what on was that so board. interesting about that. Yeah. Is I, and this is, you asked me downstairs before what I think about the board. So I'll tell you now. So uh, my, my third game was against uh, Jonathan George. He's a fantastic member of our community and a really good game against him. Uh, he did concede at the end of turn three. Um, Jonathan wasn't aware, or he wasn't prepared for what I was going to do, is Jonathan had this whole thing where he was like, all right, I'm going to hang back, then turn four and five, I'll start sort of probing down towards the... Turn two, I was on the bridge. I, I had, like, I've moved everything up, I ran everything on, I had trucks going on, I had things. Um, I sniped his sniper out. Uh, he got a really lucky shot with a heavy mortar on my Ziz 3, so that put that out of action. Didn't kill it, but it was like, well, that's screwed. too many pins and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Then I ended up he foobarb with one of his mortars, and um, I no, didn't ask bad. you about that. And then he ended up dropping a mortar around on his own squad. 
um, which was really unfortunate, you know, getting that six, and then it was like, oh, God. Well, part of the uh, questions around that was that I'd, I'd set up the table before I'd seen that rule. Because um, uh, the, the there's not a lot of cover. Well, it looks like okay. there is, but there's not. The, there's a couple of caveats to that. The, the, the way I had envisaged that was um, the terrain mechanic of the river is, is, is open to interpretation, sure. whether it's shallow or deep. Um, I've tended to play it that shallow. you can walk across yeah. it, but it will slow you down. A yeah, bit. you can't run across but it. Right? You can't drive up. across it with a wheel vehicle. Yeah, rough so that terrain. It's yeah, rough terrain. terrain. So that that opens up some more options for flanking the bridge. Yeah, um, but particularly the trees. So those avenues of trees along the road, um, because of the way that I've built the tree bases, I I have tended to interpret those uh, when I've played on that table that um, you blocks, can't fire through them. Blocks line of sight. Blocks line of yeah, sight. We didn't, we didn't do that. And if you play it that way, that table becomes very dense. That you've yeah. got a lot of line of sight blocking jo stuff Jonathan and I rocked up. Because the Allies have won the previous <coughs> game, I got to pick the board side, and I picked the church side. So Sniper goes in the church mm -hmm. tower, Spotter goes up there as well, and it's merry havoc. But, um, yeah, turn two, I had everything on that bridge. And then turn three, I'd actually started to aggressively engage his units. Um, he has... So he ran Chinese at me, and initially it's very scary to look at because you've got two very big squads. You've got that 3-14-man squad. Got the cavalry then, squd. Then you've got the cav coming on, and i was uh, I got to be honest, I think I played, a, I played a little bit harder than I probably have done in previous events because of the list that he kind of threw at me. And I'm not saying it's cheesy or hard, but if I see a list that's got an armoured vehicle and it's got cavalry and it's got big, chunky squads... I'm going to kind of press the 05 button and I might, I'm, I'm not saying, I've, I don't think I've played it like a dick, but I was definitely a little bit more on edge. Um, but yeah, I like I said, I... I yeah, and, and you'd, I, bo you'd both won two games and you're kind of there at the yeah. end. Well, um, so, I mean, and uh, I know Jonathan, so like Jonathan's Chinese are really powerful, but I know that he's taken a few steps to, to make it, you know, like, yeah. you know, to... You know, kind so of blunt, blunt, blunt the sword a little bit, just so it's it's not like just quickly, too this fucked. Is, so I ran the Soviets for this event. And sure. I don't think I'll ever win the Soviets again because they're, a, a, in my opinion, the Soviets are just boring with bad shit. Um, uh, my list was an inexperienced junior lieutenant with a bro. Uh, was it guard squad, five subbies, three rifles. Sorry, four subbies, four rifles, and uh, Panzerfaust. Another squad of guards, five subbies, three rifles, a Panzerfaust. Uh, inexperienced commissar. Two inexperienced LNG squads. They're just six men, four rifles, two light machine guns. Assault engineers with uh, two subbies. Sorry, three subbies, a rifle, and a flamethrower. Uh, the free rifle squad, medium mortar, sniper, Ziz-3 divisional gun, an SU-122, and two trucks with pintle mount uh, MMGs. So it's... I was kind of a little bit miffed just like I, I haven't written a list in like six months and it's a decent list I mean it's well, fine yeah it's, it covers all my bases it does what I want it to do and they're Soviets at the end of the day like yeah, I mean, <laughs> the thing is I mean I didn't I mean other than the free rifle squad I have no idea what their national rules are anyone want to uh, well the, yeah the free rifle squad um, there so is they re-roll a morale check yeah, or something yeah, or? yeah not, when they die one step back so if the if um, you, you get to re-roll re the break check yeah okay I don't think that ever came up but I always I, forget it as yeah, well. Yeah, I same. I just don't really give a shit about it. It's a situational rule, and if yeah, if my opponent's gone to that many, you know, you know, gone to that kind of step to take me off the board, I fucking let him have it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's I I think that yeah, with Jonathan, Jonathan had a very similar list. It was a horde army versus a horde army, and I looked at his list and I'm like, I have to get to that bridge first, and make it as as 
uninviting as possible so that he thinks, oh, I really don't want to go near that. And by the end of turn three, I have my tank parked on top of that bridge looking at a good two-thirds of his army, not in cover. And it's just like, well, next next round, I'm going to be hitting you on threes. And then I've got a lot of... Uh, I was going to... Could he not deal with the tank? Not really. Didn't, know, um, didn't so have anything had, that could really... Yeah, it's, well, he had um, two of his squads had AT grenades. One of them uh, was the one of that that unit that got nuked by his own mortar. They Did he have any anti tank bros? I can't remember. Not really. No, like the, the like, little. Well, there wasn't a lot. So his tank was a light howitzer tank. So I mean, um, armor nine tank with against a light howitzer, you can't really do a whole lot against that. You could pin it. You can, yeah, but I mean, I had my I had a I had my officer sitting right there, so you know it's going to provide some sort of buff. And I gotta be honest, like the start of the next turn, I had like I had my, I had my pick of targets, and yeah. I had a lot of guys very very close by with Panzerfausts, kind of ready to go. Um, so if that was a the thing, then you know I was just gonna run up and Panzerfaust the shit out of his tank, and that would have been it. So yeah, that's fair, man. I mean, like it is a shame that you guys kind of called it turn three because like the yeah, the the, like, the, uh, the result was kind of already clear. Well, the thing um, is, I, I I disagree because like I. Anytime, any, I did the same thing with you. Yeah. Is that I mean, Rubes and I played, and Rubes conceded at the end of turn five, and at that stage, it was like it was it was it was it was a foregone conclusion. Yeah, I think I'd basically had like two guys left on the table, yeah, the sort of thing. No, no, I think the mortar was gone. No, mortar was still there. Mortar, mortar and HQ and like three guys. Yeah. And my horde was just that's like zergling. Yeah. Like zerg rushing across the board, but. Anytime anybody concedes, the first thing I'll do is actually just put down dice and just spend a couple of minutes looking at the board and thinking, right, if I was on the other side of the board, how would I, how would I turn this around? And with Jonathan's, I actually sat there for quite some time and I think a lot of it came down to dice pull. If he got the first two or three pulls, um, yeah, I think that he could have turned that around. I maybe wouldn't have been so hasty. To, but I mean, having said that, at that stage, I had dice superiority and I was in a very strong position. But he had a very, very chunky cavalry squad there that could have, you know, caused me a lot of stress. Yeah, I think you just had, like, from from looking at it, uh, you just had too many bodies on the objective, and oh, you just I thought have, you just I thought I he couldn't clear I it right. And that's five squads. I have five big squads sure. on the objective. So I mean, like, that's going to be really tough to clear yeah, if he doesn't have. If he, I mean, if he doesn't have similar amount of bodies, or he doesn't have um, the HE assets that he needed to. Um, I, I cleared up two of his large. So I mean, look, I spoke to him briefly after the game, and he basically just said, you know, he was, was a little bit down of himself because he just basically. And what he said was, you know, he played the scenario wrong and it, like he deployed wrong for the scenario. And that's... So I, I, again, I'm going to disagree with that. I think that he... Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I'm disagreeing <laughs> with everything you're saying. Um, I don't think he played it wrong. I think that if it, it... The thing is with him is that he didn't play the scenario wrong is that I just played it better. Um, it's, I think that his, his... No, no, no. The way that he played it... I know you're laughing at me. The way that he played it would have been fine if I had hung back. If I had hung back and he'd hung back and then we kind of did this kind of like and then run up in the last three or four turns, I reckon he would have trounced me. I think it was the fact that and I expected him to do exactly what I what I did. I expected him to run everything on. I expected, you know, to be to, to literally be fighting these guys off. I expected it to be a bloodbath. But I kind of got there first. I, I consolidated behind the bridge so I had a little bit of cover. I was able to kind of just shoot out and keep him at bay. And then all of a sudden my tank comes up and it's like, well... And the other thing is, I think that his list lacks a little bit of mobility. Uh, there's no transports in there. And I had transports, and I'm able to... And looking at where the bridge was, uh, the bridge is actually closer, ever so slightly, to Jonathan's side than it is to my side. So he can get there a little bit quicker, but he didn't have the trucks to get in there. So 
hats off to him, man. He's a really good player, and I love the way his army looks. Um, but I don't think that he didn't. I don't think he failed at playing the objective. I just don't think that he played it as well as I did because I'm. Well, it sounds like he misplayed the scenario, and you played it right. So I mean, yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day, that's how it works. Again, right? <laughs> I'm just, I mean, I'm, I mean, you guys, everyone here has played me. You know that I'm hyper aggressive. I'm. I will literally push all my shit towards you as quickly as possible. Trust me, I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, because I, I, I was thinking about that and going, you know, um, the the difference to line of line of sight. If if I was playing yep. that table the way that I had envisaged it to be it is that there's that open space around the middle, but you can get quite close, almost into rush range, remaining blocked from being uh, attritional shooting behind the trees. Yeah. And that then it becomes a matter of, of manoeuvring up close, sneaking through the trees, and then launching assaults on that central part of the board. It really needs another hill so that there's... Um, yeah, or, or another building or a yeah, ruin or like a, like a tall bigger. wall. Or yeah. Yeah. The, the, I think the way that we looked at it is when we... I said to Jonathan at the start, I said, all right, so with the trees and the small woods, do you want to play this as soft cover or blocks line of sight? Mm-hmm. And we kind of had a bit of an um and ah about it and we uh, we decided on soft cover in the interest of a fast game. Yeah. I did not realise how fast it was. I, I, thinking about it that way, I would almost be quite comfortable to let someone... Yeah, put all your shit on that bridge because it's pretty much out in the open... And then that ISU one fifty two is just going to be erasing your squads that are well, it's sitting the, there. It's yeah, it's well, <laughs> it, that, that's on the condition you have something like an ISU one five two, which I don't think anybody ran that on the weekend. Off, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, if you've got if you've got the artillery, you had I had a one five two in my list. Yeah, you, sneaky cheese. I got sneaky, for six it's the size of a and he's and he's, he's sneaking the cheese in. No, I think if you've got enough like HE or a flamethrower, could really um, fuck someone up yeah, well if they get on the objective yeah, too early. Artillery strikes out there. Yeah, in the or open. just or yeah. just like oh, old, good old-fashioned assault yeah. teams just going in. Well, here's the thing, man. If I was playing uh, a British player, I probably wouldn't have done that because I know exactly where that arty strike's going to go. Everyone's getting pins, and it's going to be shit house. Yeah. Mm. So I mean, that uh, that's the thing, and this is what I wanted out of the scenario funnily enough was like uh, these different tactical decisions it makes people think a bit differently than their normal games so I, I think it was a success it might, it's going to probably need some tweaking in the future it was a success you did really no, well for sure thanks um, no I think I think I'll tweak it a little bit it's um, like if we if we run it again um, uh, but yeah so I was I was pretty happy with that um, yeah, I had a lot of fun and uh, to, to you know for my first sort of jaunt back into the hobby yeah it was great it was a lot of it was really really good Sure, man. Um, Jail, have you got any... Uh, do you want to t- t- quick talk about your games? Yeah, sure. Um, so, first game was uh, was on your jungle table. Um, your jungle table. <laughs> Thank you. I'm like, lucky no, no, it's like the what, I, what I meant was the, the one that we played on. Yeah, yeah. Time. And we, we ran into the same problem that um, we came up against when you and I played on that table, that a mechanised army in that will just bog down. Mm. You can't move around. There's no... So I, I was uh, up against uh, Andrew Baxter's um, motorbikes. Oh, it's a terrible matchup for him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it just did not go well. Um, I mean, they're fragile enough, and we we he didn't lose a lot of guys, but they just couldn't manoeuvre through those gaps. Uh, well, it just became a big traffic jam. Mo- motorcycles are turn on the spot, aren't they? Or oh, hang on, are we talking about like like the MG sidecar motorcycles? Or well, there, there like were some of them in there, but um, it it. Motorcycle troops? Yes. Oh, yeah. okay, wow. Yeah, yeah so I, I was able to 
block a lot of the lines of approaches to. Uh, so we were, we were playing. What um, was in your list? I want to hear what's in your because I didn't. I don't know what's in okay, your list. Okay, well, uh, my my list is not dissimilar from yours. Um, so there's Aziz three, um, yep. the Free Rifle Squad. Yeah. There's two other pleb rifle squads in there. What guards or NKVD? No, or no, 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 just just uh, just inexperienced ones. Oh wow! Uh, there's a naval na- regular naval infantry squad. Tough fighters. Tough fighters. Yep. Um, uh, the ISU-152. Jeez, yep. Uh, there was a squad, uh, SMG squad. Yep. Uh, Commissar. Oh, they're devastating, aren't they? Yeah, Commissar and a truck. And my, f- my favourite part of your army was the ghost Russian pointing the way for all the <laughs> other troops to go. I love that miniature. You need to keep the ghost Russian in that army. Yeah, he's, he's actually a German, but I just realised... Because I, I only got back into the country uh, on the Thursday before... The event, I literally didn't have time to paint anything else. That was so funny. Uh, you were like, "What day is it?" We're like, um, "Friday. We'll see you tomorrow." You're like, oh, D- didn't even submit oh. a list. <laughs> just like whatever. Just, just rolled in. <laughs> yeah. right. It's it's fine. I'll just take a nice. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> well, he comes with a one five two. Don't even trust him again. You burn that bridge, sneaky cheese. Yeah, I mean, so it, it it had some teeth, but otherwise it's a pretty vanilla Russian yeah. list. And there there was two two AT rifles in there and a medium mortar. So what you're saying That's to me right now is that out of the four bacon burgers in the room, two of you guys took heavy howitzers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah nice. Well done. <laughs> what did you, and you took a... You, I took my Australian, just like a CS? bit of a Gumby list. Pardon? Was it oh, CS yeah, the CS, yeah. So the light howitzer, I took a medium and two heavies. I think there's a HE flavour in this room. I like mm-hmm. it. I like it a lot. Well, I, did, I also had the the, the, um, the short light art, um, artillery oh, as well. Yeah, so yeah. I had the two yeah. houses. Well, um, you know, the, the, the ISU didn't do much all tournament because everybody it's, targeted it's it. It's terrifying. Yeah. 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 I think I've, I've got one. I've used it once. I played uh, when Jacob Lotz was in the country last. Uh, mm-hmm. Jacob and I caught up with that. Love you, Jake. Okay. Um, Jacob actually messaged me. He's very jealous of podcasting. And I said, well, just move here. You can podcast with us anytime yeah. you want. No, yeah. we're, we're replacing him. We've got a new Swede in we town. We've got a new Swede. Jo- he's, 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 he's a nice Swede. Jo- Joel from Sweden. Yeah. Shout out. Yeah, big, big shout out to uh, Big Joel. But yeah, I used the 152 against Jacob. And I think the only thing it really did was like, all right, I'm going to target a church. Bang. And that was the church went down. When it, when it hits something, though, that's oh. like oh, it's erased. Um, Is it plus five? Yeah, it's plus five against armor. But it's slow load. Slow load, yes. So you so can't use it as your first dice out of the bag. Right. Yep. Which I think is a, that's a good rule. I yeah. like that rule. That is one of the better yeah. rules that they've that's, come up with. It's, it's <laughs> that's really sure. nice. I like that. So, yeah. so, you, so how'd you um, end up with uh, on well, the jungle it, table? It, it, it just bogged down that um, because of the approach lanes to... Uh, so it was one objective each and really one that was in the middle. Um, so I was able to lock down my two and lock down the approach routes to it to the point where he could only get those motorcycle bases through in single file and there was just a lot of ordnance pointed, pointed at them. Um, he managed to flamethrower the ISU off off the board. Oh uh, shit! That's kudos. amazing. Yeah. Yes, flamethrowers yeah. are so good. Props to Baxter. Um, but the uh, the SMG squad outflanked um, and was rushing up towards his objective, and uh, he was kind of bogged down in a traffic jam with with all of the motor big motorcycle. You bases. can be too mobile, though, can't you? You can have a little bit too much going on. I think the the jungle board almost favors small squads. You know, like little, you know, hidden, you know, hitty. I beg to differ because going back to my one victory against Hari, yeah, I had I had thirteen man squads. I had three thirteen big, man yeah, squad, veteran squads of uh, 
Yeah, I know. I know. Naval Landing Force. I've forgotten they were vets. And Hari took a lot of small squads, and I just ran through the jungle just from cover to cover, and then just got in and gave him some straight steel. Running through the jungle. Running through the jungle. jungle. (laughs) That that table is... Definitely built for the Japanese. Yeah. No, well, I guess it's just, just, just infantry lists. Are just, yeah. um, because what happens good. often is if you get a destroyed vehicle in one of those approach lanes, oh, it's, fucked. it's like Pac-Man. You, know, you, can't, yeah. you can't get <laughs> down <laughs> that. Yes, that's, that's, waka waka yeah. I, think, I think what I'm going to do with that board, though, is um, I am actually going to get some, uh, do some Quinson huts. So I've got, the, I've got some 100 mil PVC at home that I've uh, liberated from work. Mm-hmm. And I've also got some uh, fluted card, and um, I, I will eventually get to doing. I just it's just time at the moment. Yeah. Um, Lex is actually getting better at sleeping, mm-hmm. so my hobby is my hobby kind of ground to a halt because Lex is very red. Like well, after he goes to bed, you don't go down that end of the house at all, ever. That end of the house doesn't exist. It's like it's like like something out of June. You just don't go down there because like sandworms will come up and fuck mm-hmm. you up. But um, he's getting better at it now, so like I'm actually able to get down into my little room and get some work done, which is nice. Yeah, I, I have the, a similar problem, but uh, which which is that um, you know uh, my wife starts work very early in the morning, so oh, I I so you know she's up at f- up at five thirty. Um, yeah, I don't start till much later, but it means that. This room. Sneaky cheese on Arvo shift. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah but it, it He says 5.30. I'm like, that's about the time I get up. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm already on the road to work. By yeah, yeah, exactly. No, right. I, I, I can get up at 8 and be at work at 9. Um, it doesn't take me long to get ready. And it I makes you hate him just a little bit more, doesn't it? Oh, so much more. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I, get, I, w- I walk, what is that, 30 metres out onto the street. That tram picks me up every 10 minutes and yeah. drops me out the front of my work. Remember that time I was driving down the Pian Highway and I drove past you and screamed out the window? I, I reckon you must have pooped in your pants. Because you yeah. had no idea what was going yeah, on. I didn't know what the fuck. <laughs> Anyway, so it, it does mean that uh, yeah, I, I don't get a lot of hobby stuff done during the week um, because I, I tend to just you know, have dinner, we'll hang out, and then I can't really be doing much in this room. I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you. After, after you know, 9.30 at night. Anyway, um, moving along. The, um, How's that, that for a that tangent? I'm back. I'm back with a tangent. <laughs> um, that table is a hard one, I think, unless you really go through... Um, what is the the nature of that terrain? And I, I almost think you know, if we're going to use it on as it is for events, a suggested, maybe even just printed out. Say, just that's actually a good point. I was going to say, is, is, it worth, is, this. is it worth setting up tables and actually having an idea of how you want to set them up before the event and then actually having a little, this is how we recommend you play this table? You I don't have so. to, but this is what we, this is our recommendation. I, I, I mean, we could do that for some tables like this, but um, but like no, I'm for sure. I'm not saying every table. Yeah, I'm just so I reckon some tables it's worth. I think it is definitely worth and having a Stalingrad if we ever bring it back Stalingrad out. Stalingrad is it? Look, look, Stalingrad will come back. I yeah. guarantee you, it's it's a fun board. It looks great, and look, I mean, you know, Mike and Lance they do fantastic stuff, and I always like you know, any I've got to be honest, going down there to catch up with those boys is always great. So that's a good reason to go down, but. Yeah, I, I definitely think that um, that having a sort of a little, especially for new players, it's really difficult when you actually have to explain. It to saves them. some time as well. Yeah, yeah, it really would, and especially in an event. Um, yeah, there's just I, a lot so of shit going on, and you've you've yeah. got to remember all the mechanics for your own list, something about your opponent's list, and then all of the <laughs> dynamics of the terrain. Yeah, would. Yeah. Uh, so, so you won that um, uh, again? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he he conceded in turn four. Oh I wow! Because wow. he's a good player as well. Yeah, he's a very good player. Yeah, 
It it just wasn't happening for him. Like yeah. I I had the uh, to get to my objective, it was on the hill in the back corner that the Ziz was up on, and then there was all of the uh, conscripts sort of in a circle around it. Um, the, there's not enough firepower that could be brought to bear sure. from the Cradshirt and guys that could whittle that down mm. in nice. a reasonable so, time. So game two? Uh, game two was on the frostbite table, so mm -hmm. big, big open, uh, relatively open snow table. Um, that was a ga another German list, but this time uh, late war yep. stuff. So there was a tiger in there. Um, this time I was actually able to mitigate tiger fear, I think, because uh, the tiger came in on turn two and went down one edge of the board. That who, I you, who are you playing? Um, I can't remember his name. Oh, the guy with the Gordon, mustache. Gordon, I think his name is. Yeah. 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 Um, and so I, on that edge of the board, I had only... Uh, a the the conscripts and um, an, an AT rifle, but there was a hill in the way, so nothing else could see the tiger. So I was quite happy to to sacrifice those two squads down there to get shot up by the tiger. That's that's the way you play Russians. You you have sacrificial squads, and you just hope that the squads mm -hmm. that you need to do stuff stay alive. Well, you need the man with the rifle to get shot anyway, so the one with the ammunition can pick it up and there shoot it. Go. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just talking my language. Um, so, up, mate. I, I just sort of turned the turned the flank and um, went for the other side of the board, and the tiger ended up stranded behind the hill, and turn after turn went went on as it sort of chased down, a, a, essentially a sacrificial squad. Um, I got the naval division guys into close combat in turn three. The ISU came up and just started pounding everything. Uh, the Ziz got some good line of sight with with that uh, medium medium howitzer on that. So yeah, it just sort of did the business pretty well. Yeah, because his army is pretty small. Obviously, having a tiger it doesn't leave that many points for no, other no, things. At, at, at a thousand points, you really need to be getting to twelve fifty to make big cats work. For sure. Um, and this is a shout out to Nick Beatty. Uh, big cats don't really work. Tiger fear is annoying. <laughs> and what is a battle? No, I don't really know. <laughs> well, talking about Nick Beatty, what well, happened yeah. game three? Fucking so, <laughs> Tiger Fear Beatty. Tiger, tiger Fear. So, um, tiger, tiger Fear is a rule that um, I forget to play when, when I run my big cats. Uh, I don't like it as a rule. I think it's pretty poorly designed, but we've been over that yeah. in, the, in the past. Um, what happened with it was what happens with that list. The, the King tig Tiger with low fuel comes on. In and of itself, I mean, we had a bit of a duel between the Tiger and the, the ISU, which the, the Tiger won, largely just on the strength of who hit first. Um, you really need to hit him with, like, a HG round and just do a shitload of pins, don't you? Yeah, yeah, really. Because even trying to pen... Plus five pen is nothing to sniff at, but no, trying to get through armor nah. 10... You just want the D6... Is, is it D6 pins on no, the... Dude, yeah. armor 11 on a King Tiger. Uh, yeah, it is too, yeah. Yeah. Um, but you can break so you, you can't even, seriously man you, c you can only glance that yep. that is fucking insane no, but yeah put D6 pins on it yeah you only have to yeah, but yeah, but you, yeah, yeah but you have to um, you have to nominate don't you have to nominate what round is in the chamber no so no but it was no. only it's only HE is it yeah okay cool it's just oh, a you're really right. no, you're big right. yeah, HE yeah, a, yeah big shelf yep yeah um, uh, we were playing on the, the table with the booby trapped French town and I, I made a bit of a rookie mm -hmm. Couple of rookie mistakes, which I'll put down to heat, jet lag, and a couple of beers at lunch, um, which good, was good beers. They were good beers, yeah. uh, which is the rookie mistake about on a very built-up table, not walking around and looking at it from the other side. Because mm. uh, I made a flank rush up one side, 
and there was squads hidden in behind the building that I couldn't see and didn't know that they were there. So it's a real life fog of war thing. I was like, shit, where did those veteran SS guys come from? I didn't know they were, <laughs> they yeah, were right. there. I thought, oh, you've left that. You've got all your shit on the other side, but you've he left this side. He must have watched you. He must have watched you run that shit up and go on. <laughs> yeah. <pretty laughs> yeah. He must have watched him at lunch. He's like, oh, he's had a couple of beers. He's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tr- Tristan's yeah. taken him to lunch. It's all over for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sneaky um, G stumbles so, back into the so building. But Tiger Fear played a big role, yeah? It, it did. I, I failed something like, we, we were counting it at one stage. I think I failed about... 10 consecutive order tests. It's ridiculous when it happens that way. Like, you think of it, oh, it's not so bad. It's just, you know, a morale check and shit. But it's, once it's you've a got a couple of pins on oh you. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's infuriating. It really is because it just it compounds the problem. So, I mean, I guess maybe that it. I, I don't know. I just don't know how I feel about that rule. I, I mean, honestly, if you're paying. I think it's a poor piece of stopgap rule. If you're paying design. 500 yeah, points. Yeah, you're paying. Like, like, I mean, the thing is, you don't have to pay five, but you can pay. Three hundred and something for a tiger. You can pay a lot less for a Panzer IV. Yeah. I mean, yes. you, you didn't allow it on the Panzer IV, though. Uh, no. Did, anybody, did on, anyone take f- a Panzer IV? Uh no. It's like they've been shunned. It's really weird. Yeah, I think like obviously only been around for the past year in events. I don't recall actually ever seeing a Panzer IV on I a used table. Played them a lot in V1 and early days V2 mm. when they were like early days V2 when the German book dropped and all of a sudden we had Tiger Fear and a Panzer IV. All the German players like rubbing their hands together. And, well, this is this is brilliant. And then it's like the community has gone. No, nah. self And to be honest, look, you can still take a Panzer IV um, without Tiger Fear, and it'll still be good. It's still an efficient tank. It's, it's, the problem, it's, it's the problem German is, German. yeah, for sure. And um, with an extra shot on it, on the MMGs. Yeah, we'll, um, yeah, that's the thing. And it's like, I mean, I mean so I, I think the, yeah. the better solution to that would have been to just recost the big cats. Um, yeah, but they and don't if we want to do the books. yeah, but if we want to do a solution to that that um, stops games not being fun in the way that um, Panzer F- uh, Tiger Fear tends to, we might be better off almost going back to the approach that we had with the um, season rules and what we did with MM, um, MMGs. Yeah, about we just recost those. Yeah, and it's, go, it was, okay. it's it's difficult. It's when we when we recosted our LMGs and LMGs that was a, a contentious effort. Um, because a lot of people are like, well, 20, 20 points for three shots is just, I mean, mathematically, it doesn't make any sense. And we have people saying, no, no, it's fucking perfect. And then those same people say, oh, well, no, like, no, four shots for, you know, 20 points, that makes a lot more sense. It's like, well, you can't have your cake and eat it too, bro. But yeah, look, I'm not a bad... It's difficult to recost a big tank because uh, of the yeah. points involved in it. It's like every armor class that you go up is in a point, and then you've got the gun to take into consideration. It's really annoying. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big be fan a of solution. I'm not a big or, fan or of it. Another one that we've we've tossed what, around. Recosting or just Tiger Fear? Recosting. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. Another option that we've tossed around is that. Um, I think if Warlords yeah, were recosted, that would work. Oh yeah, yeah for yeah, sure. But yeah, not. Yeah, but we can't. It's, it's do hard it for the community, community to yeah, do it. Yeah, no, it's, it's too hard to do. Like there was, um, other, uh, like I've, um, I had a, I had some season rules in place that I wanted to sort of get out there late last year ish and some of the changes that we were that we were talking about like down at Neg 2 that was going to change and some other mm. stuff and uh, MMGs I mean, w- and one of the ones we to- we've but tossed around in conversation is um, easy changes heavy tanks better. fire twice was, was one that I've, I've heard Ooh. discussed to get around that so you take out Tiger Fear but but the big cats fire twice that's interesting which could which could do it but that, what? So you're talking anything with an armor ten or above? 
Mm-hmm. So you're going to give the Panther yep. a second shot? I would say so, yeah. Still a medium tank. Yeah, but it's that great big super heavy gun. Anything with a super heavy gun. Yeah, then you're going to see every German player take a Panther because the Panther is the cheapest Armour 10 tank that will get a mm-hmm. second shot. So yep. all of a sudden I'd, that'll become a But it's a new still squares. very expensive. I'd, what, look, if you're going to do something like that, yeah, I'd like to give it maybe expensive. a re-roll against if you're shooting against armor. Like, yeah, I, I yeah, think yeah, it was, I think, because I think those guns, I think those guns are super strong against infantry still because they've got massive HE. Yeah. So if you're giving, dishing out two one shots shot turn, and you miss and you've just wait 300 something points of your army has done nothing. But that's yeah, bold but I mean, action. I mean, that's, I mean, you could say the same thing about KV2. KV2 is 300 and something points, which is, mm-hmm. you know, th- I mean, getting up towards the same as a uh, uh, Tiger tank. Um, and yeah, like, you know, you get that one shot. I mean, you don't even, you haven't even got a coax on that thing. You have no choice other than to have that one dice. And that one dice, you know, you're looking at that one or that two. It's like, well, that's fucking that size. Yeah. I get it. It's, it's simple. I think a better way of doing what you're suggesting with a second shot is like, all right, you want to take it a veteran? Have a second shot. You want to take in a like regular experience, like the veteran. It's going to be a better crew. They're going to be well. Or you get a reroll. Reroll, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I'm. Yeah, I, I can't see that anything we've we've thrown out is the no, definitive. There's answer. nothing where I just go, mm-hmm. Eureka, that's it. You've done no. it. Yeah. No, I've never hit on it either. You and need. Line, line I need awake. a lot of play testing. Yeah. For sure. Which L- line awake at night many times pondering. <laughs> this, and I've never quite got got the answer you need to, to do it. other things with your evenings, mate. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> now look, um, so Jail, you last game you lost then against Nick. Yeah, Beattie. yeah, tanked tanked the last game, which was frustrating like, because Nick Beatty snatched a victory away from you. Yeah, I mean that that was frustrating because I'd won the won the other two quite definitively, and I was like, oh, oh well, that's oh. that is what it is. That's bolt action happens. Yeah. That's all right. No, that's yeah. cool, man. Two, two wins and a loss is still pretty good. Um, Rubes, game one, mate. Okay, so as we discussed before, game one, loss, game two, loss, game three, loss. Booyah. That's <laughs> a strong tradition. Yes, keeping up, uh, keeping up uh, the tradition. Uh, first game uh, against Rob Deacon and he seeks. Um, sorry. I was playing uh, 1942 DAC from the Western Desert book. Um, so I kind of upgraded my squads to the Schutzen squads with a free LMG. Um, and that's, a sec- that's hot cheese. Oh, man. Well, I only had one squad with the extra LMG in it, though, um, just for points when I've re- redone the list. everything with the extra LMGs. I mean, it's, 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 yeah. it's, not, a, it's not an OP list. No, I know. I know. And that's something I didn't have enough figures as well. Like, I was building and painting in the last week when I realised, oh shit, that my previous DAC list was only 900 points. Yeah. So <laughs> my my last week in amongst a lengthy amount of time at work was trying to build and paint enough for another squad. So that's something I'll look at in the future. Um, I was, as mentioned, running a heavy howitzer on the SIG 33. Um, that was a lot of fun. It did very little in all my games other than everyone go, what's on that heavy howitzer? Oh shit! <laughs> but it's open top. Oh yeah, it's well. That's the thing. In that list, I ran. Uh, I had a uh, triple two. I had the Sig thirty three and a two fifty um, half track. So all my vehicles were open topped. Uh, first game, I thought I had a fairly good uh, deployment. I pretty much looked at the table and went, I've got the left flank secure. We're playing Kitty Hawk down on. Uh, it was actually on my desert table. And um, I thought, all right, I've got a good chance here. Rob fired off his forward artillery observer round one, came in round two, got a perfect roll on it, rolled massive for the, uh, like, 10 inches for the, the impact, and 
most of my forces then copped three pins. He was rolling those D3 pins and it was three, 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 three. Uh, rolled snake eyes on my pioneers, got them up and running with the heroic courage. Um, so you beauty, ran them forward, got the flamethrower into action. They took uh, a couple rifle shots and a pin and then foobarred them on the next turns. <laughs> so, heartbreaking. Yeah, we didn't even get to the point where the Kitty Hawk came down. I conceded in turn four on that one with... Uh, Everything pinned, just same thing as like Jail's third game. Just could not get anyone moving. Just could not. Just got to spend his own rallying. Yeah, it was it was here and there. It was like every time I'd try to rally or I, I just rolled abysmal and then I just got more and more pins and it was just, in the end, it was just like, nah, it's all good. All good learning experience. Second game um, against uh, good old Tristan. We met again. I don't know how we ended up playing each other. I don't know, but it was fun. It was. It fun. was fun. Yeah. Um Highlight of the match, as we're talking about open top, oh there was a God. certain mortar round went yeah. flying on its first shot yeah. into the SIG 33. Yeah, I had, a, I had a spotter on top of a house that said, what's that over there? Hey, put a, put a round in that, boys. <laughs> and a round they put it. in it oh for sure. God. And that six came up, I was like, oh, hello. Yep, and um, oh, that was just incredible. And Tristan could not stop apologizing. No, that that shit was awesome. Oh, that was so bad. <laughs> um, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, so blew that up, and then the rest of it was yeah. Um, I did some mine clearing as well with my veteran first yeah. lieutenant. Uh, uh, ran him into a building, went, oh, there's no booby traps, and then next minute... Uh, yeah, I shot it with an IS-122. <laughs> brought the whole no, building sorry, down yes, on top yes, of him. Yes, you wanted to and got 10 hits. I've never brought a building down. Oh, no, that's a lie. I have. But, yeah, it's always fun when you bring a building down. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, that ended, I think that ended, yeah, turn five, I think I conceded. End of, when... end of turn five, I kind of had, I, I clearly had two of the objectives. Yeah. And I was about to leapfrog onto the I third. I did win a couple of assaults, though, which I was quite happy with. Oh, my God, didn't you just? I slaughtered one squad that tried to pounce me on yeah. the right flank. Yeah. And then we went, we, we did the old, um, the, uh, what was that Ben Stiller movie? When he's the model. Zoolander. We did the yeah, Zoolander, Zoolander. Petrol fight. Petrol yeah. fight with flamethrowers in the middle, except yeah. Tristan got the first pull and got the uh, the flamethrower out I'll on that. Your flamethrower yeah. And you turn around and smash I just went, the, you know what? I'm going to uh, just uh, punch a square in the gob for that yeah. one. And, and then I ran, uh, I think my, oh, so my inexperienced squad turned reg. Turned reg, and yeah. I sent them in there and they did the dirty. Just numbers. And, uh, and then game three on the jungle table. Um, and I can't remember the name of my opponent, but he ran a French. French Force. Austin. Austin, yeah. Good, Austin. Yeah. Good to see you back, boy. Yeah, good fun. Uh, shout out to Austin. I had a great game there. Fucking awesome to see the French on the table as well. Yeah, yeah. As uh, as having a French army myself, I was very impressed to see another French the army French out there. French are well represented in Melbourne right now. Yeah, I'm yep. It. I'm liking it a lot. Um, so we had a. It was an interesting game. I think the uh, that was the one game where the Sig 33 actually paid off. Uh, I managed to destroy his I howitzer. That. I hate that when you take something like that and it's just like, it's one game it does yeah. what it's supposed to do. Yep. Yeah, one game had finally actually hit something and I took his yeah. howitzer off. Um, it was a bit of a slugfest, um, but again, came down to, I think, like the turn four or five and I could have taken one objective, but it wouldn't be enough to get me the game. So he, we just He's a really good opponent Yeah, as well. Yeah, and he's, his army, uh, I think there's still a little bit of work to be done on a few of the bases for some of the extra yeah. artillery pieces, but really lovely looking army and very nice I, to see. I've got to be honest, I love the way that he's, he's kind of evolved as a player. Um, Austin used to be known as... It wasn't a hard ass, but if you're going to play Austin, you you knew you were going to have a hard, like a difficult game because he's a very very good opponent, and he used to be that guy who used to bring like a veteran chappy, because that was just I mean in V1 that was a hot cheese that was amazing, and then he'd have like rangers and tough fighters and all the rest of that. 
And then it's like he's just gone, you know what? I'm done with all that. I'm going to leave that behind. And then he's uh, brought out this French force. Looks really good. It's yeah. Steamy, yep. A lot of fun to play. Yeah. Uh, he's, I don't know. He, he went to Korea. I don't know north or south. I'm thinking maybe north. I might be making that up. He'd look good in that head. You think he got re-educated? <laughs> Mate, he, look, he would look so good in that uniform. The Kim Jong uniform. Would be the so haircut. Good. Yeah, well, the haircut. Yeah. Oh. But um, no, I think he went to South Korea to do some study or something like that. So um, yeah, he has come back. And yeah, we're fucking lovely to have him back. Yeah, yeah I, I really enjoyed the game against him. Good. And um, I look forward to playing against him again in the future. I might... I might try to get my French on the table one event where I know he's coming and we go a bit of uh, Vichy versus uh, free French action. Oh my God, you're like slapping each other with wet fish. <laughs> well, I'll have... And French sticks. Yeah, I'll, French I'll have sticks. my French there and we'll, we'll all just have a French off. It'll be great. <laughs> a French off? With all, the, with all the baguettes and uh, Eiffel Tower. Yeah. <laughs> just be in the middle, lucky Pierre. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. No, that's awesome, guys. Well, it sounds like you all had some pretty good games. Have you so, talked about your first game? Uh, first game was against Sean. Yeah, Sean, yeah. Yeah, who played a German list at me. Um, we played the uh, Snow Rules on two of the, two, two of the table quarters. Um, yeah, I, I had to talk to him after the game and basically said that um, I think his list is really good. I just don't feel that he deployed all that well. Uh, he, played, he, he basically brought his tank on way too early. It then allowed me to put my Ziz 3 exactly where I wanted to go to pin him behind a building. Um, I then proceeded to amass. I hit... The, I hit his tank so many times hmm. and then proceeded to hit it with things like mortars and all. And I once I had like six or seven pins on this tank. I'm like, yep, one more round of fire because, and that'll do it. And then he rallied all the pins off and I was like, mm. no. And then ran a flamethrower up and did the, that did the job. That did the job quite well. So yeah, he was a lot of fun to play. So yeah, um, I had uh, three wins and it was a lot of fun. Nice man. And I think you, so, you took home best general as well, did. didn't you? Oh, for uh, for the allies. I'd like to think I had a hand in getting you the uh, the <laughs> best ally by uh, losing yet another game oh to you. Oh my god! Well done. Yes. So yes. I, so I think that actually qu- quickly segues nicely into something I, I just want to talk about quickly. Um, so what we've run and we've run this at the last couple of events, but it's um, Axis versus Allies. So what we've been doing is. Um, you know, to keep keep the style getting of play. Away from Swiss. Nar- yeah, getting away from Swiss. Um, so it's more of like narrative style. You know, not, not having really red on red matchups, um, and like that has some con- some consequences in you know a gaming day. But um, I guess the philosophy that we're trying to foster is you know it's not super competitive. You know, like you can still have strategic games, but you know you're not t- taking taking the filth. You're not trying to curb stomp noobs. Um, so did you, have, did you? Were there any lists? I mean, no names, but were there any lists where you were like, that's a bit strong. Uh, well, we'll get there when we talk about the theatre selectors because I, I want to name and shame. I want to name and shame. I want to name and shame a couple of theatre selectors uh, that were were not on my radar found until this event. More powerful than Stalingrad and Zelo Heights. That's right. Um, but moving. Uh, well, but one in of terms the of, just yeah. I, I wanted to raise in, in the context of that. So we're we're running, as you say, um, just best axis and best uh, allies. Now, if we weren't running that. How would that landscape look? Because the impression that I'm getting now that we've seen this play out uh, over a few events is that the uh, Germans are getting stomped. Well, Nick Beattie took three wins, and he took Germans. Did he? He got three. Yeah, he got and he got best general, but he yeah, was he the only one. General. No, look, um, I mean, I think a lot of new players are playing the Germans. Um, I, I think they're a really cool sorry, army. Buddy, they're as playing the Germans. The Germans. The Germans. Thank oh, you. sorry, sorry. Um, and so, look, I think a lot of new players, you know, kind of 
uh, are drawn to to the Germans, especially because of their big armor, um, armored vehicles. They're they've got a lot of yeah, they're, they're ar- really ar- iconic. super iconic. Yeah. Not just not just the armor, but also the the um, the weapons and the you know yeah, like so, the uniforms. So part of the question that I'm, I'm getting at, yeah. Here, so we we we've almost settled on a thousand points as being the comfortable phase. My part of my feeling is that that becomes quite difficult to run a, a good thousand point late war German list because you're running at so so few dice if you want to actually bring the cool shit. Forget yeah. the late war. Go like me. Go early war. Plenty of yeah. plenty of <laughs> dice to be had there. Low, low power, <laughs> but plenty of dice. Yeah, word. Yeah. Here's, here's the thing, Sneaky Cheese. Uh, when it comes to like the Germans and stuff, like, I, the, new, the new player that I played, Sean, right? So he had two squads of something or other and they were all decked out with assault rifles and SMGs and this, that and the other. Then he had like another couple of squads that had SMGs and assault rifles and light machine guns. I think what it comes down to is a lot of people come in, they see the Germans, they run into that straight away because the Germans are, I mean, if you were to talk to Warlord or Artisan or any of those companies that produce models, they will all tell you that the Germans are the biggest, that the, the highest selling models. That oh, yeah. That, that, that modeling book that I lent you even had that oh section in the, in the um, discussion about scale model yeah. competitions that... It's always German armor. Yeah, that, that yeah it's just cool and iconic. Ge- yeah. Germans like the Space Marines of, of bolt action. Yeah. It's like so everyone wants to play them. Germans like the Space Marines, whereas the Germans like the Chaos Marines. They're cool as shit. Yeah, like but Americans aren't, Americans aren't as popular as the Germans. That's what I mean. Yeah, I, and it surprises me. Um, I mean, but, but also there's heaps of... Um, and what I also realized, we had a bit of a discussion in the Vival page. But I mean, like all of the... I mean, Germans have have got, got such a good range of you know th- of they theaters. Um, they've got a, such a good range of models from you know, lots of different companies in lots of different settings, got interesting and choices. they're all plastic, uh, most of them. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it's uh, I mean, so it's e- a lot. It's, it's easily accessible, I guess. And well, I think part, that's part of my my question to rephrase that. Then, if we were playing twelve fifty as a standard, how much would that landscape change? Because it would give that extra wriggle room. Let's um, let's find out because I'm pretty sure that I'm I'm running the next event and it won't be a thousand points. Yeah, it's going to be north of a thousand points. I'm actually thinking it might be well north, and I'm thinking I might even put a stipulation in there. You have to bring two platoons. Mm. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that just, I, look, that's off the cuff. That's me just thinking. Like just thinking. Yeah. Oh, I might do that. So, so it might be. maybe. I am definitely bringing French because I essentially have three companies worth of French. Perfect. So, a three platoon, sorry, a yeah. full company. I um, yeah, I I, I don't know. I'm I'm thinking. I'm thinking there might be a two platoon minimum. Uh, no tank platoons, no theater selectors, um, and you may be encouraged to. I don't know. I I don't know. I'm, that's all I've got for the time but being. I'll think know, about so it. So the the reason that I'm I'm getting at this right. So I I can I can bring late war Germans until the, the cows the howling cows come home <laughs> um, I see what you did there yeah. but what I'm always struggling I'm hobbling myself trying to find cheap dice to get in there because I'm fighting the dice cap uh, particularly against Soviet armies horse drawn limber oh take, yeah take yeah. a couple horse drawn limbers yeah. well, what about taking some some infantry that's not veteran I, I rarely take I rarely take vets. See, you I take vets. I think that's a trap for newer players. I had no veterans in my list last week. Oh, so I mean in your German lists. Yeah. Um, I, I've been steering away from that. I'll usually take two. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's some more options now to take. Um, you know, I, I've been going going towards Volksgrenadiers. 
which, which is a good option. Um, I've been looking at stuff for um, Strafbart. Strafbart is cool, but I mean, it's I mean that that is another thing for new players. New players will come in and go, "Oh, veterans are good." Yeah, I think it's very much a trap for newer players. Go, "Oh, the Germans are awesome, but there's so many cool bells and whistles. Oh, I can give them all assault rifles. I yeah. can give, give them, them this equipment bells, and that. I can give them all a light machine gun. And, and that's all of a sudden, all their squads are costing them like nearly two hundred points a squad. And they're half the half the dice of opposing yeah, armies. Right. It's, yeah. I think and that's the sudden, trap like, for them. Yeah, like I can get I can get eight men on the board for eighty points. Give them like a you know light machine gun, bump up to you know a hundred. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's look, they're really cool because they're running around with assault rifles and shit like that, and they're devastating an assault. Mm. They're, but if know, they're out of range, that's exactly right. See, and that's the thing. I nothing. don't think I think B two, I don't think assault rifles are worth the point. They're not worth the squeeze anymore. And that's that's something that's kept me with especially the early war stuff is that there isn't those bells and whistles of assault weapons and Panzerfaust, so I don't have to worry about them. Oh, do I get the ratio right? Do I yeah, get the right mix? I've got a squad of ten guys, an LMG. An SMG for the NCO yep. and then rifles um, and then go from there. Uh, yeah, and I think, um, I mean, like early war Germans still have some cool toys. So, they I mean, do. the Panzer, the I think it's the Panzer 2. Yeah. The Panzer 2 with the, uh, the light auto cannon, I reckon yes. it's really cool. Yeah. They've got cool armored cars. I reckon two of, if, you, if you ran a, a tank platoon with two or three of those at an event where you were up against, um, uh, did you run, you ran triple two with me, weren't didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, it it's a light auto around. cannon. Yeah. yeah, chase my water. I didn't think you deployed it. No, well. I probably should have pushed that forward a lot harder yeah. than I did. But Straight down the road. Yeah. Really. yeah. The, the, the thing, the, like, early war, just about anything, you can still make it viable. It just depends on what sort of player but, you are. Just late war, that's where the cool shit is. Yeah, so I mean, people go. your triple twos, your eight rads and that, you, you mount a lot of light auto cannons. There's actually a lot of fire that can be generated by an early war German list. I mean, like the Panzer One, it's, it's two MMGs. Add the buzzsaw into it. It's twelve dice. It, it is a huge volume of huge volume of uh, shots. How much is it? Uh, how many points? I think it's about sixty-five or seventy points. Get fucked, really? That cheap? Yep. I will look it up now. Yeah, I've no, got it's, my. It's definitely the case. Here. But, I mean, it takes up dirt your, cheap. The, the, the thing is, it takes up your um. Yeah. Tank yeah. Slot, right. I, at um Brad's last event that I was able to make it to, uh, up there. I um I ran a, a Panzer one and a Panzer two, and they could just chop infantry. They do a lot of shots. Yeah, but so obviously, like, I guess the, it comes back to it that the new players are going for the late war Germans with the veterans, with the big tanks, and you're right, they're just not the most efficient. Like, well, I mean, I think you can still build, like, obviously German late war can be really powerful, but the obvious choices yeah. aren't. The, it's the, 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 way the, the bang for your buck is obvious, not there. It's but, not as obvious as it, as it might look at first, first yeah. glance, and you really have to look at um, some second rank, second tier units that yeah, are word. cheaper. Um, but they're situational. So your your Ostruppen look like shit because they're shirkers, they're really cheap, but look at the military police guys who, yeah. yes, they're a small squad, but they keep them moving. Really good. Um, so I think uh, the, the newer players that play Soviets uh, or Americans generally will fare better the, than the They'll go the big four. M most people coming in, the, I... I Unless you're like a, a loose unit like Muddy Funster and you decide to, you know, like, you know, first army off the cab, you know, first cab off the rank is the Poles. Yeah. You're generally going to go one of the big four because the models are there. You know, generally you're going to know something about them. You might have something like, like a bit of a, an interest or a connection. Like me, I, I went with the 101st because I love Band of Brothers. Sure. Um, JL loves, uh, you know, Germans because he likes, you know, Lemmy from Motorhead. Hmm. Uh, passing resemblance. Um, 
But yeah, most Watson people. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I think those newer players who, who flock to the Germans are going to do worse because the army is less forgiving with less dice. I think they're just as powerful if you if you know what oh, you're doing. Dude, um, I, but I I think to build a list like I, I, I yeah as I said I just think the German players get stuck in that trap of taking the expensive stuff not having enough. How many stuff, how many right? times are, like you play a new player who comes along and he's just like oh I got a tiger, you know four squads are here infantry I've got this guy. Uh, I took a medic. Like, what? Fucking a medic? Yeah. Who the hell takes so, a medic? Like, and so to answer your question, Joe, I don't know what I don't know how how we uh, combat that on the table. You I mean, don't. You access... don't combat it. You don't combat it. You let it happen. Yeah. Because they'll play three or four games. They'll go right. This is not really working. But this other guy, he did this again. JL. What did he have? He had that. And then all of a sudden, they work it out themselves. You don't need to combat this. Everybody yeah. goes through this. Yeah. Everyone goes through it when they kid a new system. It, so it was access... just an, an interesting yeah. ob- observation, as I say, because when when we were doing the uh, more open podium structure where it wasn't just best allied and best uh, access, we were seeing consistently that there was a predominance of games that were... uh, And even when we we just look at the um, blue on red matchups, we're we're seeing the the German side consistently getting getting its head beaten in. Um, But like like you say, there's, there's probably some very good reasons for that when we delve into it. So what do we think about the Axis and Allies kind of format? Is that is do you, do you think that's something that we should continue going ahead? Well, there's two schools of thought about that, you know, one, one of which is that the historical matchups make a lot more sense. Um, they're certainly much more thematic, but it also means that with the lack of the podium structure that we have, the competitive element of it is really sort of on the on the back foot. At, at the moment um, but I think that's I mean that's what I want I hope like I don't know if I share that vision with everyone here yeah I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that I'm, I'm very much the narrative player so I like like this past one with the special rules on the tables that just gives that little bit of flavour I'm, I'm a big flavour fan love me some flavour flav yeah and that, that I mean for me taking away that podium don't ever yeah. say that again Rubes we'll ask you what time flavor it is flav. we'll, just, we'll ask you what time it is and just tell you and it's just, time to fucking leave just beat the shit out of you <laughs> Yeah, boy. <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, taking that podium away, I, it's, it's meant to just, you know, keep that edge off. Yeah, well, I guess where, where I'm sitting with that is that I've felt like I've put enough thought and work into it now that I'm like, okay, I understand how this works. I'm almost interested in playing it as a competitive exercise um, in a different way. Sure. You know. So I think that... I. I think it's a little bit... Yeah, go on. on I just want to say, um, with the caveat that our games... uh, Sorry, our events are three-round events. Yeah. And podiums do not work... No, you need need five games. You you generally need five games to kind of get a, a really good idea of what's going on with the podium because otherwise you have to split. And this is why we generally go secondary objectives to kind of split ties. But... The other thing is, I mean, it. I, I understand where you were coming from. And this is like, I asked you flat out. It's like, oh, we're not doing podium. And you're like, no. And I said, but you have best allied, best access general. That is a podium in a sense because that's rewarding the player who gets the most wins over the course of the day. If you want to take that away completely, take it away completely and replace it with person who got the most tank kills, person who got person who destroyed the most points overall or something like that. Well, don't don't that. award don't award wins. Award, you know, kooky secondary objectives. Did you destroy a building with a tank? Did you did your sniper take out, you know, his most exp- you know, his his highest ranked officer? Yeah, I like that. Uh, it adds to the again, adds to the flavor of the, each event sort of had say even just three 
uh, particular I like that. things like checkboxes. Yeah, most tank kills, most sniper kills, most flamethrower kills, or something yeah. like that. Just most HE kills. Yeah, just um, yeah. just to, to. But then, then you do, do you push it too far in the other direction? Where um, I remember when I ran my op heavy uh, a little while ago, and like it was heavy tanks. Um, did you, Lockie? What did you run for that? I ran your KV two. You did too. So basically, I had a there was a, an award that you could win. Sneaky Cheese won it because he crashed a tank into a building and just like, I drove a tiger through somebody's house. Yeah, and basically, <laughs> did, yeah, it was cool. But Lockie, you were really angry at that because you ended up on a board that had no buildings. Correct. And you were like, "How the fuck am I meant to do this?" Yeah. And it gives everyone else like this unfair advantage. And I guess that's what I'm like. If you end up putting the three caveats in there, yeah, what if you're the kind of player who doesn't take a flamethrower, doesn't take a sniper, doesn't? All of a sudden, you've 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 discounted yourself from you know being in the running to maybe pick up but a I mean, sneaky award. If, and I don't want to encourage people just to take that shit just to get an award no, out. On the same token, if you well in advance say, "Right, this event we're going to have." three tick boxes that you can potentially get a, a little you know trophy for or a token for or whatever if you succeed in it uh, the event after that we're looking at doing these other three then it might encourage people to take some look at their list and go well maybe i do want to go for the sniper kills but i don't normally run a sniper so i'm going to add a sniper to my force or i don't normally take heavy armor so i might take one for this because i want to run through someone's house and make someone have a bad day you know sorry yeah no i mean look it's a good point um and i mean it depends like you could have five or six of these kind of things as well yeah. so i think like in your event tristan like i think it was really cool what you're trying to do but it was only one thing so when it did you know what i mean like so when uh when some was, technically it was two but somebody didn't oh what was the second thing so if you crashed a tank into the building and the building killed you oh yeah so there so, was a second thing there you could have gone for that but also war. i didn't have the <laughs> there was no building yeah, you could have yeah but you could have done that like um yeah game two or game three yeah so i mean nobody won that award i didn't know yeah no. okay sneaky cheese was the only person who and then the funny the thing person was person crazy enough to try the funny, and do it. The, the funny thing was that after that I sent, I noticed nobody did any building ramming after that because the award had sort of popped and gone off. Yeah. So I mean Rob, I, did, I didn't play on another table that had any buildings. Yeah, I know it's difficult because yeah. we're, I I've just recently picked up Mark Newman was selling all this terrain and I've picked it all up. So we'll be uh, oh yeah, no I did well there. I did really well there. Um, you lucky you aren't getting shit. <laughs> Please, I, it'll save me building a table. We'll, um, talk, we'll talk later. We will. Uh, so yeah, basically, um, as soon as that sort of pops up, I'll uh, it, it, it'll it'll mean more more variety in the boards that we have. But I mean, look, shout out, big Rob Lambert, uh, fucked off north, um, nearly drowned uh, because of all the rain that he had. Like last, was it? When was that? When was the rain? Was a month, a month ago. A month ago? Yeah, it was Maybe. bad. He was like, yeah, we've had more rain in the last three days than Melbourne has in the last eight years. That was ridiculous. Like, that's amazing. Like, that's incredible. Have, have you seen the footage of that? Just oh, was, like, was, just yeah. Townsville is yeah. just underwater. Well, Robbie was like surfing down his driveway and shit. Crocodiles but swimming down the road. It was. It was yeah. crazy. But Rob, remember Rob ran that sniper-themed event? That was cool. That was really cool. And what happened is you tallied the number of sniper kills that you got throughout the course of the day. Most kills won a trophy, and I think I was wanted to. Did, I did that trophy, and mm. like, it was a lot of fun. Um, uh, uh, for sure, and I think you could. I mean, like I'm just spitballing here, but you could really have cool five. You could it. you could have five or six of those little um, kind of missions, or you know, like tick box kind of things, all concurrently in the same event. So people who have different armies, if you don't have a sniper, you don't have to go for the sniper one. You, you can go for the flamethrower, or something like in, that. You know, out, yeah, what sure. If, what if? What if? We we generally run four events a year, right? Sure. 
what if you keep track of those throughout the four events and then you award that shit at the end of the year? So you don't, you're not, you're not sort of shoehorned into having to take the same shit, you know, just to that event, just to try and win that. It's like, all right, well, there's a sniper award, so I'll take a sniper for two or three, and I'll go really hard on snipe kills, you know, mm. kill those inexperienced shit because I, you know, I want to sort of go for that. It's not going to really sort of win me the game, but it might win me, win me this award overall. Oh, but there's also a HE one, so you know, a couple of games I might sort of. You know, maybe I will throw that extra mortar in. I'm a killing like award. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah, that that might work if we. Actually, if, but the, the thing is, you then have to track it. Yeah, it's, an, it's it just another thing a bit for much. the TO <laughs> to keep track of, which is hard well, in the heat of the it's, moment. It's TOs. It will be all. Yes. Of the yeah, but uh, in some kind of, if you track it on on the score sheet for each one, and then at the end of the year, it's all. Having, up. having said that, I've just had no idea. With my event, um, I gave out medals rather than plaques. Having medals made, like a tank destruction medal, a marksman medal, um, stuff like that, and giving those out for, ticking, even through the events, you might go, all right, um, you know, you've got your tick boxes, you might even go, all right, so I've got three sniper medals for the people that get the most, the most uh, sniper kills in the event, and then you hand out, award the, th- the medals to the players that get that top tier sniper kills or armor kills you give them an armor destruction but you know or a tank combat badge like like i like that yeah yeah i think it's a that's a really really cool idea and i would i wouldn't go one step further i mean i painted the australians as a giveaway right and it did that that's all good i will never do that again because god that sucked it out of me but i quite happily paint up like a little sniper trophy i quite happily print up a destroyed tank trophy i quite happily like assaults, you could you know then you know you know who's won the most of the most assaults during the uh, during the year. You could do so much different stuff, and yeah, like we could actually award out. Like we'd have a little. I mean, we could have a little bolt action Deb night. You know, we sneaky cheese. You, you be my date. You be my date to Deb. Uh, B A Deb. We'll see. <laughs> you might, nice. be wa- might be washing my hair that night. <laughs> you'd have to. You'd have oh, to guys got roasted, <laughs> you motherfucker. <laughs> That'd be really cool. Look, we could get get some little um uh, little markers or little um like uh you know award uh, marker things printed out. I got some from done up from Modular. They're a little new company in New South Wales. Shout out, they were really yeah, cool. Yeah, props. Uh, the trophy that I won is currently pinned to my wall. Uh, really sexy. Very nice. Excellent. Yeah, it's uh, just an acrylic blue. As I said, Modular contact uh, Seb. He's he's awesome. Um, check him out. Uh, but yeah, look. And this is why I like casting, guys. Every I reckon every time we do it, we, we're talking about these events and we're like, we get new ideas and stuff and like hopefully we'll implement some of these going forward. Because I think you're right, Tristan, like the, the whole idea of like getting rid of podium and, but putting in best general and best uh, for, for each side. I mean, like, I don't think it's quite like it is for podium. I still think it takes some of the edge off, but I, we could probably take still take it out and just replace it with other awards. Um, and and what, one other thing I'll, I'll just add to that as well. You know, anyone who's listening to this who's got suggestions about what you do and don't like about the way that these these events are run and um, thoughts, input, feedback, please do hit us up. Let us know via the Facebook page. You know, we, we'll always take that on board. Yeah, absolutely. We, we always listen to sub- some suggestions. Our friend of the show, actor down from Tasmania, um, messaged us after um, after the event and was like, I just put out um, for some suggestions and he you know, was talking about the frostbite rule. So, I mean, like, I always really appreciate people who reach out to the cast through our Facebook um, and other channels. 
Um, all right, boys. Um, I just want to quickly touch on theatre selectors before we go. Um, now... We found the world's most broken theatre selector. We did. And just as a caveat to that, um, basically, like, we've seen recently, uh, like, a lot of tournaments or events not allowing theatre selectors. Um, I know they do that at CanCon. Um, a couple of events last year, there weren't allowed theatre selectors. Um, and, you know, to be honest, I was like, oh, you know, it's fine. Was like, I, I, I really like my theatre selectors that I, I typically run, like the Jungle Division for the Australians. Can it's I? Really fluffy and it doesn't really, it, it really doesn't add that much without changing. Can I take a bullet for this one? Yeah, go Can on. I take the bullet? All right, so when I was trying to build my list for um, Autumn Mist, I haven't written a list in six months. I haven't really looked. And I thought to myself, I don't really want to run the Russians. So fuck it. I'm just going to run... Paratroopers. Sure. I like running paratroopers. They're fun. So I thought to myself, I'll try and do something different. I'll try and do something that's not, you know, the same sort of stuff that I've taken before, you know, four, so, squ four squads and a Hellcat and a medium mortar and a sniper and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> so I jumped on to Easy Army and found the Parachute Platoon. Now... So that's from the Battle of the Bulge book? I, I couldn't tell I you off the is. top of my head. Yeah, sure just say is. that. Okay, so basically, all right. So ladies and gentlemen, for, you, for those listening at home, my list, that did get knocked back by Lockie. Uh, it was a regular second lieutenant, very, very bulk standard for me. The next two squads, also very standard, uh, just, you know, eight men, five subbies, three rifles, stubborn paratroopers. Uh, then two, uh, there's a squad, was it uh, two light machine guns, NCO with a rifle, two rifles and a bar. Another squad, which is just basically two light machine guns, three rifles and a bar. Uh, then another sort of five subbies, three rifles. So it's all looking pretty, you know, this is all veteran, by the way, so it's all very, you know, Bulk standard for me. Pathfinders. You'll like this, actually, Sneaky Cheese. Pathfinders. So it's NCO with submachine gun, an additional submachine gun, and four infantry with rifles. Special uh, special uh, rule is exceptional training. Uh, exceptional training is uh, teams always use their unmodified morale for any and all morale-based tests. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty fucking awesome. Is now, How many are there? It's a unit of one to five? It's small. Yeah. Like, so four, five, uh, six blokes. I've got six blokes in this. And they're veterans and they, they don't... I, I took them because it was funny. And I, I'm Pathfinders. The rest, of the, the rest of it was a bazooka, a 57mm anti-tank gun, and a medium artillery piece. So you can already tell. I was like, wow, there's actually two artillery pieces in this list. You can take up to four. So you could have a gun line of four medium... Or four, no, four medium howitzers because that's all you can take is, I think, light, medium, and 57mm yeah, anti-tank gun. That's all your points, God. It is, but this is the thing that makes this list, I think, really nasty. Is that the there, there's no on. tanks, there's no armored cars. The only transports are jeeps, so you can't really transport your guys around. But you can take the free British artillery observer, and it's a US list. It's a US list in which you can take a free arty observer, and so filthy. No, my, it's my a little bit dirty. I feel a little bit of yeah, yeah. schmutz under the nose on this my, one. My take on on this, and I've I've seen a lot of feedback internationally about this stuff. Look, this is just how we roll in Australia, right? Um, we don't tend to say blanket ban this and then everything else that's in a legal list is allowable. It's TO's discretion. It's always been the way that tournaments have, have operated. Oh, no, in no, no, no. Most, in, in most systems that I've been involved with. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I thought you were the bolt action yep. world. It's it, Yeah, it's yep. we had... 
there so were there, there were lists that sorry there were units that were generally sort of banned or frowned upon in V1. Yeah, that we yeah. sort of put the, the put the kibosh on. Flamethrowers, for example. Thank you very much. All, all that kind of stuff, right? That's all no, I wanted the, to say. Yeah, my take on the theatre selectors is that we shouldn't um, just say no theatre selectors at all. It it will be down to the the judgment of the the TO. Okay, that that becomes subjective, but um, if you don't like it, you know. Take something else. That's that's fine. You can find something there. There are because the the theatre selectors are so patchy. There are so many of them that are completely fine. You know, a, like what, Greek army theatre selector. <laughs> no one's no one's going to be losing a lot of sleep over that. It, there are some that are weird. There are some that are just straight off the bat. Silo Heights. You're like, okay, that's nasty. There are some that have sneaky cheese hidden in them that isn't immediately apparent. Now, I like that. I think that's creative list building to um, take advantage of the sneaky cheese because it's not just kicking down the door um, operating by taking multiples of one thing. I just said, kicking down the door, blitzkrieg, bitch! Yeah. Sorry, when you only stop for kittens. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, but a free British artillery observer in um, a US list is not sneaky cheese. That's no, no, that's it not is. Yeah, that's and, and, and that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It is. I, I think it is. The two the two theatre selectors that we generally consider to be the most broken are Stalingrad, because in Stalingrad you can take everyone at fanatic. It does cost two you, snipers. but you can take two snipers as well, which is. I mean, also mm. I was looking at so there's. Um, but Silo Heights is the one that people. I think it's because yeah. you can take two tanks. Now, there's some some ones... I, I'm not too worried about the two tanks because I've been looking at... I don't know. I it depends on, it depends on, on the combination. Well, yeah, it depends on the combination of so tanks. I touched on this before about the um, recon list, um, which uh, the commission that I'm working on lends itself to very, very well. Now, that theatre selector means that your snap to it and your officer effects work when you're in the half track, Yeah. Uh, which I think is completely cool. You can take uh, two two LMGs in the five-man squads, um, and I think they get a bonus to dismounting. Yeah, uh, they, they don't. They don't have to. Dismounting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that, so that's for the. Um, the that's the in Fortress Port Budapest. Budapest yeah. um, there's a version of that um, in the Market Garden book, mm. where you can take two triple twos in there. <gasps> they have to be veteran. Um, can take two triple twos, two stugs, um, and a bunch of recon troops. But the drawback to that is your recon guys are five guys, and they have to be transported in the two fifties. So you're losing a lot of points just in. Yeah, it's a point transport. sink. Just, I'm just going to interrupt you for a sec. So Silo Heights, you can take two artillery pieces, and let me tell you, they're all nice. You can take one armored car, but you can also take two tanks. So the tanks are the Uruzor T60, T70, T34, OT34 Flame, T34 85, T34 85 Flame, IS2, SU85, ISU122, SU76, SU100, SU152, Katusha, the Quad Maxim, and the BM3112 Heavy Katusha. Mm -hmm. So you can take combinations of those. That's some good shit. It's some really good shit. And yeah. it is, oh, mm. Oh, you can also take two. Oh my God! No, this is totally broken. What book is that out of? Uh, this is the this is the Russian book. Uh, Road to Berlin. Road to Berlin. Is you ready for it? You ready? Yeah. Hang on. Yeah, it gets better. You can also take two artillery observers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like it's really it's nasty. See, but that is meant to be balanced though against the German side having heavy duty fortifications and emplaced pack guns and shit on. That's a garage game. 
select it. So yeah, I'm, but that's the pain in the ass. It doesn't get used. It gets wheeled out at events when somebody wants to yeah. curb stomp. So that, and that was my original point about if we, if we as as TOs and the supporting um, crew around that knock knock back your theatre selector selector list. We're not doing it because we're being dicks, and we're not doing it because we don't like the idea of running theatre selectors at all. It's just that they are not all created equal. And uh, and that's it with a lot of the uh, campaign books is they're designed for that narrative or campaign type play. I mean, you look at especially some of the later books that have come out. You, as you read the book, it's scenario one, scenario two, scenario three, scenario four, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, how to win the campaign. Um, so I think a lot of those particular selectors. Oh, look, there is some very generic ones in those books as well. Like uh, the Battle of France, there's like a new generic um, anti-tank platoon. Um, but some of those very specific ones around specific battles are, are designed if you're going to play a Silo Heights battle with, as you said, with the Germans entrenched heavily with heavy fortifications and the Russians having to crack this hard nut to, to flood on through to Berlin. So... I mean, yes, for, especially for podium play, I can see why some events don't allow theatre selectors because it can tip the balance one way or the other with a force sometimes in some of those selectors. Yeah, for a big event like CanCon, yeah, you don't it's want to just... allow these theatre selectors. And I, look, I reckon, because I haven't been paying too much attention to these, uh, like, and they've, but, but the thing is, so they've been producing a lot of campaign books recently. It's yep. actually really cool, but I haven't been able to, to keep up with all these theatre selectors that just happened to be really good so I didn't know about the CLO Heights one I was looking like, so people, so I had three people um, hang on just, just to battle that, I find that amazing you didn't know that because you were traditionally a Russian player and yeah. as a Russian player I thought you would have gone through the theatre selectors but I had the road to Berlin which is a really no but it's on easy army yeah you just right. go through easy like I mean as an American player I've gone through all the theatre selectors to see what is available to me within each selector because oh, yeah. some offer benefits others kind of kick you in the dick some do a bit of both but then yeah, yeah my, my take on sorry to is cut you off there I, i've gone through it looking for something very particular which is i wanted to run without having to do an armored company list run something that's based around multiple light armored cars with maybe one puma in there um and now it's like okay there's a way that you can do that without having to go through the um thing of getting knocked back because it's an armored armored selector and having to take the command tank tax and all of the rest of it so i I like the way that that's opening things up but it is very much take it with a grain of salt and be sensible about what you bring bear in mind is is your opponent going to have a fun game when you play this do you think um it it becomes a bit too much work for a to though If, if 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 theater selectors particularly ones that I hadn't seen, which apparently Battle of Bolt has some really powerful ones, um, and I wasn't prepared for it until I saw it. I was like, hang on a minute, um, red flags. So, I mean, like, is it becoming too much work, you know? Well, that, that I guess that really depends on, you know, if we're going to be in the business of running this stuff, how much do we need to have a copy of every book? Now, I, I don't. I'm, I have almost no interest in the Pacific stuff i'm not going to be buying those those books so there would be a lot of shit that will get under the under my radar through that but then that i'll go through with a very fine comb this is this is why we have a this is this is why we have a reuben yeah Yeah, so i pretty much religiously buy every book that comes out um and i've got a pdf of every book as well so it's easier to transport but even then there are plenty of the some of those books, especially the newer ones, are quite thick books and there's a lot of content in them. So even then, I'm like, 
list, I'll be honest, list building is not my favorite aspect to the hobby. So I don't dig through every single theater selector and see what's in it. I'll scan through and go, oh, that's interesting. Because my armies are all based around, I've got an idea of a particular battle or a particular unit, and that's what I want to do. And sure, I might go hunting for a selector to match that. We don't want to go get into math hammer this. No, no, exactly that, right. But um, meta thing that I think we're best to steer clear I don't, of. I think it comes down to, like, and obviously as we've, we've done in all our events, is that say, right, this is going to be the cutoff date for this. We want this, you know, a week or two weeks in advance. So TOs have time to go, okay, I don't know anything about this selector. Does anyone have access to it? And can they shoot me a copy or can I borrow a book or whatever? It gives you a chance to read it and go, all right, is this too too much of a sledgehammer for what we're planning for this event? Or is it, you know, does it fit right in or, you know? Well, and that raises another question then. How many lists do we tend to knock back and what is the reaction from the player when we've put that to them that this I think, is not what we want to see? I think out of everyone in this room, I've won, I've run the most bolt action events. Um, it's I, I, it's a lot. It's it's well, it's, it's like at least six or seven events at this stage. In all that time, I think I've maybe knocked back one or two and both times I've sort of said, I think this is a little bit strong for what we're trying to achieve here. And the player has gone, yep, no worries. I'll get that back to you as soon as possible. And normally when they resubmit it, very few issues. Um, occasionally I see, I will see a list that will make me raise an eyebrow. Um, if only because I don't understand the way that they want it to work or maybe I think that it's, it's, it's not... <laughs> we're not going to flame out Big Papa Stuart, okay? <laughs> Um, yeah, that, the, the triple Stuart list that did that did cause me to raise an eyebrow. My thing about that was, all right, if everyone's rolling with armor ten tanks, there is no way he is going to be able to ping an armor ten tank with a Stuart, and I think that he will just end up getting all three of his Stuarts ventilated, and that'll be it. Um, it didn't happen that way. He actually did quite well. Um, he actually, won. No, I think no. Brad won. I thought I thought Brad won that. No, did no, he? He won that. So the, so uh, the was wrong. event that was supposedly the the forum for big tanks uh went yeah. the complete opposite of what we it was yeah and it, it, it favored the guy who bought three stewards um that was a list that i did sort of raise an eyebrow on and i did actually call him and he his his counter argument was i don't have an armor 10 tank um you know if i could have my time i, I initially i thought ah oh, fuck it you know what? i don't like running other people's shit when i play so i'm not going to push the issue uh if i could have my time over i would have turned around and said well take a sherman take an armor 10 sherman take a sherman jumbo uh, do something like that. But I mean, yeah, it's one of those things. It's a difficult one because you want people to be able to run what they want to run and have fun. And you don't want to be that guy who kind of says no, but you also want to sort of say, well, we're trying to establish some sort of like narrative here. And I don't know, it was it was a weird set of circumstances, but it doesn't happen that often that I have to knock people back. It also, needs, um, I reckon, needs to go the other way as well. So if someone submits, like particularly a new player submits a, pretty bad list and this happened I actually knocked one back because it was too soft uh, too was it Rubes? it was Rubes. it wasn't Rubes. <laughs> I probably I probably should have knocked him back though, but I um, well, just one of the guys um, just it was one of the German guys and it was just again basically what we were talking about before just uh, the army doesn't work because he's taking too many of the expensive stuff and it's just not going to work on the table so I just said hey look just drop shift a couple of things around and I think the list was a bit better um, hopefully he found it to be a bit better but also that that uh, is an issue when they've got a limited collection of models. So I don't know. Yeah, that, that I mean, that's especially for new players, it's a thing. But going back to the soft list, I mean, I took a very soft early war German list in um, 
in uh, Op Bear. I mean, it was a one to one nineteen forty platoon, and my biggest AT gun was a thirty seven mil, and I'm going up against late war. I saw it a blast. I got the badass trophy for taking the most difficult to win with yeah, list. You, yeah, it was hard mode. Yeah, and uh, got dead last as well. So I got the wooden spoon prize too. So I doubled up well. that day. But I mean, like soft lists, I'd be more inclined to come down on a list that is maximized for just sledgehammering and alpha striking the other army than I would someone who brought, say, a, a fluffy list that was incredibly soft and squishy because at least they're. In my mind, I'm saying that I can see some story to this. Whereas if I'm math doing the old math hammer and going, all right, so if I take this and I can do this many dice and I take this and I can do this many dice damage, all they're doing is looking at, at the math behind the game. They're not actually looking into the spirit of the game or the story of the game or the the, yeah, the I, I narrative behind it. Yeah. Uh, one of the things, you know, going back to the sneaky cheese thing, there, there are some selectors where it works by brute force, right? And I oh. think they... Other ones that they spoil your day when you when you come up to. There are other ones that are powerful, but they require a lot of thought about how to run that because they rely on some really weird dynamics that are not. It's not. It's not weird. Uh, the one that springs to mind for me would be the British Market Garden. Uh, I, I was thinking like about that. the the um, Germans in American uniforms. And that's that, cool. The, that's, those that's odd, those kind that's of weird. Very, I mean, odd I would. I would. You would struggle to find another, another army like that. You know, I'm sorry, another another theatre selector like that within the within any of the army books that plays quite like that because it is so unique. Yeah, look, I think the real issue with theatre selectors is when um, they they duplicate slots um, and then the player uses those slots to make to take efficient choices. So I saw one of the market garden selectors. Yeah, you can take up to three bazookas and up to four artillery pieces. Now, if you wanted to really f- like make a strong list with that, like that's that's a good list to do it yeah, with, I reckon. I mean, it, again, it it depends on the player who's kind of rolling that out. I mean, three bazookas. You think, oh shit, three bazookas. That's that's a sniper shot away from fucking. Nothing. But you but you shouldn't you shouldn't be looking at the list and considering player skill. You should be looking at the list and being like, hey, that's that's a fucked up list. I see, again, I would I would consider player skill because at the end of the day, if, if JL turns in something and I'm like, okay, I know how he plays and I know how he's going to run this, and then alternatively I get a brand new player who who turns in the same list, I'm going to consider. Mm. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to judge them on different merits. No, actually, you're right. So if you take three bazookas and two artillery exactly pieces, right. I'll no, be like, no, fuck absolutely. off, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You can turn around and say that's not on, and I and I will quite happily turn around and say, well, this is my justification for taking this. If you turn me down, no worries, I'll I'll, I'll walk away. Yeah, fair enough. I, I mean, I I won I won an event. I won one of Anthony's events uh, way way back in the day with um, it was the British Market Garden Theatre Selector, and that's got like no tanks, no armor cars. You can take like a couple of uh, MMG jeeps. My AT was um, AT grenades. Um, art and a um, the art, the arty strike. Um, it's really difficult to kind of play that, but if you can actually make it work, it's a really devastating list. But as soon as you rock up and kind of people see all the troops that don't see the big you know hunk of metal sitting there, ooh, it's happy days. But then they actually realise that no, this has actually got quite a lot of teeth to it. It depends on how it's played. Yeah, I, I'm often and more it depends worried. on the player. I'm often more worried when I see lists without tanks. Yeah. When I know that that person knows what they're doing. Yeah. Right. Because I if can't Greg take out a third of your tank, army I'm in terrified. one shot. Yeah. Particularly, I like. I find British lists really scary. Like yeah. the British paratrooper it's, lists. It's British paratroopers. Um, the the, the, the jeeps really, are really yeah, strong. They've got a lot of. And if you throw some commandos in there, it starts yeah. getting very, very tough. Um, the list that I, I think I took. 
I think it was like a third at Moab. Not the not the time that I went up in. I think it was the time before. I don't know. But yeah, that was a, a that was a British list with a Churchill. I mean, who the hell takes an armor ten Churchill? But I, I did that and did quite well with it. Uh, two squads of uh, paratroopers, two squads of commandos. It was a dick list. Like, dick, well, not a dick, dick list. It wasn't like a one of your lists. Yeah, it was one of my <laughs> lists. I'll wear it. No worries at all. But it's it's. I wouldn't run it now. Um, I'm a little bit. I'm not embarrassed, but I'm definitely not proud of that list. Yeah, but for sure. It's one of those things, man. It, you 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 take the. I'm. It's gonna sound like I'm giving you shit here, Rubes. So I'm truly not. If Rubes turns a list in, generally I know it's gonna be fine. He, he Rubes could literally li, li, Rubes could submit any list to any one of my events and generally I'm going to let it through. Here comes CeeLo Heights. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is though, even if he did run CeeLo Heights, I know it wouldn't be OP. And if I read it and thought, what the shit is going on here? I'd give him a ring, say, what's happening? Yeah. He'd explain, he would justify it to me or I would just say, you're taking the piss. Evidently what I said on the podcast has been taken away. <laughs> you can resubmit that or fuck off. But it depends on the player. And the same thing goes with you, Lockie. I know how you play and I know what you're like. And if you decide to turn in something cheesy, I'm going to call you on it. But I know that you won't. I don't play cheese. No, that's exactly right. You don't. I've, I've yet to see you take a cheesy list. I know we, we joke about <laughs> it. You're giving me that look. We, we call you sneaky cheese. But here's the thing. Because it's know, hidden in there. It's hidden in there. It's built in. But it's, I know that, like, it, yeah, with JL. JL's exactly the same. I know how he plays. and I know what's going to happen. I mean, generally, JL will have, like, one and a half to two really good games. Then the hate grease starts flowing. Yeah, and, and it I just tank the third one every yeah, time. Yeah, exactly right. You just tanks the third one. I guess but it gets tricky though if you get um, players who don't know submitting lists. So there, I had a few new players. This, um, the, if they're, uh, they're a new player, I'm not really worried because I. But what if they, you just don't know them? Yeah, if I don't know them, generally I'll try and find someone that does. And um, what I'll then do is, if they are a new new player, I'll put them against someone I know, someone like yourself, Lucky, who are like, okay, <laughs> this we've got a new player coming. I need you to run them through. After that game, you come to me and say, "Wow, he really knows how to play that." Okay, no worries. I tell I, you know, I, I reassess my expectations of that player, and we go forward like that. But um, so that, that becomes a question of scale, though. We can we can do this because our player base is relatively small. Um, we tend to know each other, or at least know each other at one uh, one remove. Now, if miraculously we ended up with a scenario where the player base was twice as big as it, as it is. So we were looking at running what are still only medium-sized events, or at least used to be by 40K standards. You can't do that because the players come and go in and out of other systems. You don't necessarily know them. A lot more people will travel from in, interstate. Um, I guess in, the, in that context, you do have to be a little bit uh, more clear-cut and firm just about I, I this is this is allowed and this is well see that's why i think with some of the bigger events like cancon and that that aren't allowing theater selectors to do that because they know that their events are drawing interstate players from all over so i mean what was cancon with last uh, this year was 70 about 70 players and we've Jesus. talked about so, that before about the different meta expectations who in yeah. them, different areas no don't know no not sure Congrats. unfortunately um, I think that when it comes down to it as TOs, you have to be very, very engaged with your community. Uh, I know that Pete West, who runs CanCon, is very engaged in the community. But he also has uh, a lot of people he knows from the smaller satellite communities, like the B-Bal, uh, Company Dice, and all that, who he can then say, hey, listen, this person's come from your neck of the woods. What can you tell me about them? But, like, it, for example, um, and I'm not trying to give him shit here, if Greg Nickel turns it in a list, I'm going to take a very good look at that list. 
if Lockie turns in a list, I'll, I'll, I'll look at it and I'll make sure that there's nothing OP. But no, now you've made that move. Now you've, you fucked yourself uh, now. You're, you're, just watch when I come to your event in, in May. I'm just going to, oh, the French are coming. French come to town. French yeah. cheese. Pierre and uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they call you Mr. Brie from yeah. <laughs> Captain Brie. Um, but it's it's one of those things. Like like I said, if, if Greg turns in a list, I'm going to look at that very carefully because I know the kind of player that Greg is. He's very talented. He's very methodical, and he knows exactly how his lists work. So you're going to make sure. And a couple of times, I have actually had to say to Greg, maybe tone that down a fraction. And it's not like he's trying to take like dick shit. It's just Greg will Greg will construct something that he knows works. And I, to a, to a lesser extent, I'm, I'm kind of cut from the same cloth. I make no apologies. Um, I, seriously, I have, I have trouble with it. It's it's just one of those things. But yeah, I think go late war. Uh, sorry, early war for your next war. army. Early war American paratroopers done. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> the marines, the marines, mate. Um, yeah, but yeah, I think that when it comes to theater selectors being uh, submitted for events as a TO, you take the list on its merits, and you also take the player on their own individual merits, and then you move forward. If you want to put a blanket ban on theater selectors, by all means, it's your prerogative to do it as a TO. Um, I generally don't like doing that, only because it kind of it. Some people like, I mean, Rubes likes to play with a bit of a theme going on and theatre selectors allow him to kind of get that theme going. Uh, it's not for everybody, but yeah, again, we're very lucky that we sort of exist within this community that kind of self-polices. I mean, the, the other thing I, I think of, right, so look at the way that the wording in the, in the campaign books, it's situational in its context in the theatre yep. selector, but you could actually m take more advantage of that putting it in an open list. So you, you get that thing about, yeah, I'm, I'm going to put my... Um, we were talking about the, the Panzer One with the two uh, MMGs, which is a... 70 anti points of regular one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anti-infantry beast. It's actually probably more efficient. I've talked about this before, about how early war tanks are more efficient than really they should Oh, the early war Stuart springs yeah. to mind. But you can also go... Oh yeah, but it's a it's an open selection list, and I'll have a lot of guys with assault rifles and Panzerfausts in there. The theatre selectors stop you doing that in a way that the open lists don't. Except for I think there is one for Market Garden where you can take a lot of those early war tanks with a late war German list. Yeah, you because can. they were using those as training tanks in, in Holland. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and there's a lot of like the FT tanks and a lot of the yeah, captured the French, French stuff. Yeah. And you have Panzer 1s and Panzer 2s that actually fit into a late war selector, which is the, interesting. The, the point that I'm trying to raise there is that we, we've looked at theatre selectors through the prism of these being things that actually enhance you. They limit your selections in a lot of ways as well. So That's they true. they do stop you from taking a lot of the very cheap uh, but points-efficient stuff mm. that you could otherwise just pad out your list with extra dice. With So that, that's worth considering in that... The thing is, I've always well. considered that the extra dice thing, it's nice, don't get me wrong. I, like, my 1,000-point Russian list had 14 dice. Um, there were some things in there that were very, very squishy. My LT, inexperienced. My Commissar, inexperienced. Two six-man inexperienced squads. A lot of that shit vanishes very quickly if you hit it with anything, you know, with more than a stiff breeze. So there's a lot to be said for, yeah, no worries, running high-order dice lists is great because it'll give you dice superiority but also makes you very, very vulnerable, especially if you're in kill point missions. Well, yes, that, that comes back to the, the, the list design stuff as well, that you know, if you're, you've, you've built your core around... Um, you know, we, we were talking about this earlier 
about one of the main things in list selection is what is this squad for? Yeah, what, what is its role within the list? And some of those extra ones, you go, this is just there to get an extra dice, I'm going to keep it in reserve, and then late in the game it comes on, holds my backline objective, and allows the unit that was blocking that one earlier in the game to then launch a, a push yeah. to support your, your spearhead units. If you're clever about how you construct your list around those maybe 30% squishy extra cheap dice, you, you can game that very well if you're a good player. I find that a lot with new players is when you come in, they have no clear idea of what they want their shit to do. With me, it'll always be two assaulty squads, two LMG squads, and maybe a veteran squad. So the days of me running like full vet armies, are, I mean, it, I'm not saying it won't ever happen again, but it's generally like it's, a lot of my shit's rigged. I mean, I fucking hate it experienced. But um, yeah, I, th I think it's one of those things where um, if, if you have a, like you said, if you have a clear idea of what you want your army to do and how you want each piece to operate and be efficient, then the idea is to kind of look at it and think, right, what is this? What is the role of this squad within this army? And this is where new players fall down, is because they will have four squads of shit that is just trying to do too much at once. They're loaded up with assault weapons and light machine guns and all this kind of crap, and AT grenades, for Christ's sake. The number of times I've played a new player where, you know, their squads are worth a lot of points because they've got AT grenades and assault rifles and Panzerfaust and light machine guns. It's like, dude, if I kill that, that's a massive chunk of your army just vanished. Yeah, I remember at um, Badgercon last year, I think um, there was a Siberian unit that I played against, which was like 200 points. Yeah, it's I like, what the nuts. fuck? Why is it so much? Too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like what crazy. Oh, everything. <laughs> and like, he was like, that's, that's not he even... dragging around the kitchen sink. Bears and shit. <laughs> I mean, obviously, like last, like a couple of events ago, I, I played that massive 280 point commando unit. Well, that was taking the piss, but I think like... You know, anything that's over 140 points, it's probably, you know, that's, you don't need anything more than that. Unless you're running six order dice. Also taking the piss. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Harry. <laughs> now, nah, boys, have you got, um, I just got a couple of events I just want to um, call out, but uh, have you guys got anything else to say about Op Order Mist or about V-Bell this year? Well, uh, one thing I did just did want to add, um, in the light of the first section, uh, we're going to put up a bunch of photos from our um, uh, various museum visits up on the blog soon. So please do jump on and check that out. Um, and it also, if you do have suggestions for topics that are probably better covered in print, uh, digital print, um, rather than, than verbally through the podcast, do let us know because we, we do want to expand that kind of uh, area of our coverage a little bit. Yeah, we've got a couple of little ideas uh, propping up about maybe a Bacon Burgers boot camp or um, academy that we can uh, write some tactic articles that are more, you know, focus on uh, helping new players. But it, so if you've got any uh, nice little topics uh, that you'd uh, like to, you know, see in the future, let us know. My first one will be called Aggression and how it can fuck you in the ass. Jesus. <laughs> Um, so, look, we've got some events coming up. Um, Tristan, you said you're looking at maybe early May. Um, uh, well, the, you've only just put your hand up tonight, so yeah, I'm not going to hold you to that. Early to mid-May. Um, there'll be some sort of Star Wars pun because may the something with you. May, yep. the, tri may the triple two be with you. So what? There it is. There it's done. May the triple two be with you. 
So what? So watch this space. Um, yep. Anyone in Victoria? Anyone who wants to come down for an have event? I'm looking at you, Hari. Have you got the details for the yeah, Tasmanian got, events? Yeah, yeah. So I've got. So um, so our good friend actor from Tasmania is running Op Camlinga. Um, on the 23rd of March, that's in a couple of weeks. Um, hopefully, uh, you have got a ticket to that if you're in Tasmania. It's the first uh, bold action event for them in 2019. You, uh, there's a new board being unveiled for that. I've seen photos. And oh, it's really? Incredible. Ooh. So, yeah, what? What's your space? They've uh, teased a uh, new terrain build, which, um, knowing the uh, the scene down there and the level of terrain, it should be uh, schmicko. I think Tristan uh, can give us a bit of insight. Yeah, Actar's been sharing uh, photos of it with me, and um, holy, yeah, I'm just going to show some of the boys. Oh wow! Oh yeah. Oh. So oh, yeah, cool. So oh. if you're if you're if you're at home, you can't see these photos. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. this is an audio look, medium. <laughs> look, by the time uh, our by the time uh, this cast goes out, you probably see them online. I'm sure um, Actor and the Tazzy boys will share them. Or uh, um, so we've got uh, another. We've got the Sydney GT on the 25th. Just going to quickly say, uh, yeah. yeah, you can't see the photos for uh, for this table, so get down to the event and see them in person. Yeah. That's right. That, yeah, that was the 23rd of March. Um, that we've also got the Sydney GT, which is uh, running on the 25th and 26th of May um, up in Campbelltown. Um, I'm actually looking to going up uh, for that. I'm hoping uh, one or two of you boys can make it up with me. But um, I've got a grudge with my, my mate Adam. Uh, who, you, Jail, you're doing the commission for? Well, you might end up playing that army. I think so. Oh, he's actually been doing his uh, his his Indians. Um, so we're kind of going to do a, a desert grudge match, which is going to be fun. Uh, so, yeah, 25th and 26th of May, 1,000 points. I'm pretty sure it's basically the CanCon pack. So looking forward to that one. Um, and BadgerCon, if you're in Bendigo, Victoria, on the 8th of June, um, Gus from Zepnik's Games is uh, looking at, is running that one at the Bendigo Club. It was a great event last year. At a boy, Gus. It was a lot of fun. Um, I, unfortunately, will be at a wedding. Uh, Rob's, uh, Rob's getting married. Um, or he's going over a sex change. I'm not quite sure, but I'll be on Bali. So uh, anybody who goes, have fun, um, drink lots. And the Airbnbs in Bendigo, highly recommended. Yeah, they're I'm pretty great. Hoping, hoping to make it up for that. Yeah. Uh, all, yeah. all things allowing. I'll yeah, be there so. for that one too, I think. Yeah. Awesome. I'll uh, sort that out. So if you uh, See if we can go around. around. Two for two, yeah. three for three. <laughs> no, no, that would involve me actually winning a game. Wait, wait. Oh, yeah, okay. Hari, come down to BadgerCon so I can win a game, mate. 8th of June. So maybe you, can, maybe you can make it, Tristan. But anyway, watch this space. Go check him out. Um, Gus is a good guy. He ran a good event last year. So we're looking at doing that again. Um, we've got some upcoming content. So if you're not aware, Fortress Budapest is meant to come out in the next week. Uh, copies have already been shipping, I believe. Yep. Yep, so officially will come out soon. Your, yours could even arrive tomorrow, couldn't oh, it? Because I know Hari's... because I am just chomping at the bit to get <laughs> into that. Oh, now, I, I, I've listened to uh, Brian go through that on the, the uh, Down Order podcast, and I've seen uh, some of the terrain that was created for that, mm. which was, again, the Tasmanian... And it is just stunning. Amazing. It's just Absolutely full on. beautiful. And Brian's put up a few photos of, um, of, of the models that he's painted and... Geez, like he, he's such, such a talented yeah, person. Yeah, well, I, I, Brian, I'm going to be so. adding some uh, Hungarians to yeah. uh, Miami because you you can run um, dual nationality lists. Really, that's cool. That. Yeah, but yeah, there's some new yeah some new Hungarian models of paratroopers, and mm -hmm. then I think just the regular army bros. So. Yeah, but you you could just as easily for for all those militia arm, uh, militia units, you you can run your Volksturm, or they would fit right in there. So True. there's a lot of cool stuff. I think in that list. 
So much good content. Um, there's also a couple other books coming up. D-Day Overlord is yeah. on the 27th of June. That was um, announced scheduled on. Uh, earlier today for uh, pre-order. So is I'll it? be pre-ordering my copy tomorrow on payday. Excellent. The um, bonus miniature is the Beachmaster, I think, as you see in uh, The Longest Day. Even with comes the with, Bulldog. With the Bulldog or optional German Shepherd. And I've got to say, the sculpts look amazing. I cannot wait to get the, the extra doggos to uh, mm. throw into the list somewhere. Excellent. And uh, the, then uh, in October, we've got Mariana and Palau Island, which is another Pacific... Uh, Peleloo. Peleloo. Another Pacific uh, theatre book, uh, which you, you're, running, you're, you're building a Palau uh, Islands list, well, aren't you? I've got... Are you uh, meant to be? <laughs> amongst my other hundred uh, projects. Now, I've got uh, Guadalcanal, um, uh, Japanese and Marines and Milne Bay. Japanese as well, but uh, I, I swear you um, mentioned um, at some point that you're running a um, like an uh, yeah Palu Islands kind of American list. I'm gonna look at doing uh, a late war, um, maybe American list for the Pacific, so American Army in the Pacific rather than okay. in Europe. So that's something I got to weigh up. Palu was uh, all Marines until it was secured. I'm pretty sure. So I'll t I'm tossing up there what I do. Um, for sure, some good options. I'm expecting to see Marine Raiders and things like that in some of those books, which uh, um, you know uh, feature quite heavily with their camouflage uh, gear and stuff. So it should be a very interesting book. Looking forward to it. So that's that's three campaign books this year. I'm really excited. We're going to have to uh, keep up to date with them, so we don't have any sneaky theatre selectors coming up and uh, being like raising red flags uh, a week out from the event, like happened to me. Um, and I felt a bit stupid, um, but yeah. So, what else? Any anything else, guys? Before we wrap it up? No, that's it for me. Yeah, Tristan, what do you reckon? Uh, I'm gonna go home. You're gonna go um, home? Uh, yeah. Bit cooked? Uh, I am a little bit. Uh, it's kind of taken it out of me, but it's been good. Um, nice to be back in the saddle. It's uh, been good having you back, man. Thank you, mate. Thank you. Uh, I think that uh, just before I go, the next. Currently, the Russians are for sale. If anyone wants to buy them, I will throw in a shitload of like uh, extra stuff. Uh, anyone wants to literally hit me up. Oh yeah, on that on that topic too. Uh, anyone interested in buying a uh, Europe British Army uh, late war British Army? I thought you were going to try and sell like a used guitar there or something like that. You know, anyone wants to know a BBC Rich Warlock? Um, no, uh, no, slightly no. Spike, used spiky, <laughs> spiky, uh, <laughs> spiky, spiky guitar. guitar no. Um, yeah, looking to looking to move the uh, the Brits on, so uh, I'll give you a decent price. Uh, do hit me up. He will even include a slice of sneaky cheese. Oh yeah, uh, it'll be a British British cheese. British cheese. Like British, a, yeah, uh, I like that. I like that. Um, so All right, yeah, boys. So well, we might call it there. We've had um, that's about two and a half hours. Had a had a good uh, little good, good little chat. I forgot how much the time flies. It does. I mean, it's not quite like your five-hour marathon fucking episode. I never want to go back to that. that <laughs> what? Is, that's just I, as, as what are you even talking about no, after no, five just hours? Go, just go shit. Listen to it. It was literally just. It was. We got drunk and that was it. You just heard the talking story about shit. That. We yeah. started that podcast at eight o'clock in the morning so we could talk to somebody from the US, and then we spent. We did that for like an hour or two, and then we spent most of the day drinking heavily and playing games, and then we kind of fell asleep, and then we woke up did another section of podcast and then got even drunker and then had Dave, we had Uber Gruber, Dave Hunter on at like 11. And by the time he came on, literally, I asked him, I said, Dave, how are you going? About six times. It's really, it's like, oh, so how are you going, Dave? Oh, yeah, not bad. You know, oh, awesome, man. Awesome, awesome. So how are you doing? It was, 
we were fucked. I'm glad. I'm so glad we're not in those days anymore. The dark times we, we are before the empire. Mature, mature, <laughs> people. mature people now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a, look, a quick shout out. Garrett and Rob are actually podcasting at the moment. Um, they have, I think it's called the Order of Dice podcast. I could be wrong. That I'm not quite sure. But it's just a gaming podcast. They've just report, recorded their first episode, and they are reviewing the board game uh, Twilight Struggle, which a lot of people consider to be the greatest board game ever created. Uh, for me personally, it's a complete pain in the ass to play because you have to play. You have, you'd love it, Lockie, because you've got to play like six different games while you're playing this one game. It's really yeah, right. Difficult. Well, I've been pl- I've been playing a lot of Settlers of Catan recently, so I hope oh, they do man, an I'll episode be, on that. I'm a gun at Settlers, man. I, I'm terrible at it. My grandma beats me. <laughs> <laughs> it's really really depressing. I, for, for many years, I had Catan on my phone, and I would play two games on the way to work, two games back. Wow! Um, Hang on, C- can I just? I, it's been a while since I've recorded. How's the living situation going? Oh, it's really good, man. At the moment, yeah. we've got your, your place was like a nightclub, except everyone it was bad. Gets it. <laughs> <laughs> it was, was bad. No door policy. <laughs> no, sorry, mate. Not with those shoes. No, look, it's good. We've got an Irish couple in there now, and they're just super chill. <laughs> We've United Colors of Lockie oh going on. No, it's you great. got an Irish couple, no a, ki- a Kiwi dude, Kiwi, yeah. and uh, myself. Um, I've got a UK guy actually taking my room tomorrow. Was on Thursday. I fly to Cambodia for a month. He's off to Cambodia, ladies and gents. Holiday uh, in go Cambodia. Ba- going to go backpacking around. So hopefully, he won't tell us why he's going. So hopefully, he hasn't booked a return flight. So we may. This may be the last time we ever see Lockie. Um, it could be. I might just in, uh, the Highlands. He's I might just be there brown, forever. Brown in the high hills, isn't he? <laughs> I'm um, so looking forward to it. No, so um, yeah, I just needed a trip away and just thought, fuck it, saw, saw some cheap flights and away I went. Just following Joe Biafra's advice. It's going to be great. I, I said it downstairs. He's going to come back like Marlon Brando in Apocalypse now. Oh it's gonna yeah, be he's going to hear about the horror. <laughs> yeah, he's like bald head, pouring water all over him. Overweight to shit. Neck made of ears. Yeah. <laughs> just, just you wait. We'll put some photos up on the on the Facebook page so everyone can see my. Uh, but it's okay. My new, my new look. <laughs> but it's it's okay. If we lose touch, we'll, they'll just have to send me out there to find him yeah, and terminate him with extreme <laughs> prejudice. You've listened to the Bacon Burgers. Thank you for listening. We Thank really enjoy it. Uh, see you next time. Someone has been biting me. Fetch me my trousers at once. No, not those. Those are my time travel trousers. Those are my tea trousers. That's it. Those ones. My fighting trousers. Yeah, yeah. Regarding your recent foray into the rap business and the scene you portray See, I don't normally approve of war games But he's buying is what they all say And by Harry, they might be right This is hip-hop, not an Elvis night Show this professor impersonation Let it end now, it's impertinent waiting You seem a reasonable chap What you need to do is rap and not parody chap-hop Cos that's not proper, just not cricket Put away your ukulele or I'll tell you where to stick it I don't like your tweet, sir Will Teach you the professor's ready Not Let's see who strikes the loudest Lou Put on my fighting trousers I've got super producers
dancers and fans that play me You have a granddad's moustache and a ukulele Don't look around, sir, I'm speaking to you Roll up your shirt sleeves, Queensbury rules Never test professors with the cleverest wits Let's settle this like gentlemen armed with heavy sticks On a rotating plate with spikes like Flash Gordon And you're Peter Duncan I gave you fair warning When this George Formby clone is performing Audiences go home before he begins talking A new career might be more rewarding I'm a bright, bright and clear Your rap's Piers Morgan I don't like your tweet, sir Will Teach you the professor's ready Not Let's see who strikes the loudest Lou Put on my fighting trousers I've not seen you at ciphers or workshops with kids or gigs Dear sir, you're not worthy of this Sold out to Coca-Cola Used for a trend And that means you're banned from using a pen Hope it's safe to assume you won't do it again Set foot on my stage and get ruined again Be out, Mr. B I set the egg timer There's not room in town for two gentlemen rhymers Leave town by the end of this instrumental Yours, etc, etc Sincerely and so forth Professor Elemental I don't like your tweet, sir Will Teach you the professor's ready Not Let's see who strikes the loudest Lou Put on my fighting trousers <sighs> Sorry, I'm sorry, Jeffrey, but it, it gets my goat Gets my dander right up Bloody told him No, no jazz solo, this is supposed to be a diss song Jeffrey, get off the drums